Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the neck this episode are... Hey, I'm Paul. And guys, like, I know that Games Workshop is a British company, but who knew that they were going to write an entire book about George III? Get it, get it, because he's the Mad King and he's rising. I don't. This is America. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, it's Paven. uh, Do you know the... The early aughts country classic that Dawnbringers uh, sing while they uh, are, you know, out on, on on crusade. No, I don't. I don't. Oh, it's uh, Sigmar take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Will. And at this point, I feel like Nagash and all of his Martarks are the new Wu Tang Clan, based on how hard they're trying to protect your neck. Uh, and I'm Aaron, and mine actually is trivia in that it's a little known fact that a long time ago, uh, I nominated that our local gaming club should be called the Mad Kings because we lived in Madison and I got shot down. Uh, and in this episode, we cover the lore of Dawnbringers, the Mad King Rises. Uh, remember when we talked all about Ushron a few episodes, a few episodes ago? Well, guess what? We're not done. Will we repeat some stuff from that episode? Probably. Will there be new stuff too? Maybe. Is there a whole other Dawnbringer crusade outside of Gairan? We'll find out. Join us, won't you? Hey, everybody. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, how are you tonight? My fellow diminished gods. Oh. That's us. That, that, that us hit right me here. in the core. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah, hanging in there. Sure. As a diminished god, that makes a lot of sense. Paven, how about you? I'd rather uh, be a... Uh, you know, rather uh, diminish in Shaish than, uh, you know, be big in Azir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to do a, yeah, yeah, play on it. words here, I but you uh, also serve in hell in uh, in the mortal realm. So Also, also true. Glad to hear it, my friends. I feel like it's been a little bit since we've had an episode. I blame it on me. I'm the, I'm the bottleneck oftentimes. But we're back in the saddle again, um, talking about these Dawnbringers. They keep they keep bringing that dawn, and uh, we're going to keep talking about it. That was weird. That was a weird thing to say. Um, but before we do, I'd love to hear from you guys uh, as to what you've been up to in the old hobby. And let's go in the same order. Hey, Paul, tell me about it. What you've been hobbying on? Well, you mentioned a diminished god, and I just painted a diminished god. Um, so thank you to GW for sending us a couple minis ahead of time. And I was able to paint up Sekar Fang of Nulamia. But as with everything, I couldn't just paint her as normal. I had to convert her into a uh, sorceress slash uh, female warrior for my uh, Harkiran army. So hmm. I had a lot of fun painting that one up. So I know that has nothing to do with spiders, but did you put spiders like legs on the, spi- on the snake or something like that? So I'm, I'm trying to do the Harkiran army... Uh, more of an octopus theme because they have eight legs, right? Uh, but I don't have that many octopus bits to put on there. So I just gave her like, you know, I mean, I don't know. She fits in with the army and they all have mm-hmm. like octopus themes on everything else. So I figured it was okay to like go with one of them. Sure. Cool. Very cool. Uh, Ron, hey, Pavend, uh, what you been working on in the old hobby? In fact, I think I know, but I'll let you tell them. Well, why don't you tell me? And I just—I've seen pictures of zombies. It is the okay. extent of my knowledge. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, you're abusing those admin privileges. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just always looking. I'm always creeping. <laughs> you're creeping. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on some some. Oh, I guess some zombies for. Uh, I'm not even sure how they're going to be used, but they're for Adepticon for one of the Dogs of Warcry events. 
Uh, so uh, that's the inside scoop there. I'm actually almost done. It's been fun to like try to just paint a bunch of guys really quickly, which I don't sure. often do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also working on finishing the black talons. Oh, um, yeah. I forgot about that. Really a box of really cool models. I actually really like these uh, sets. And uh, it seems like they're going to do another one for the next mm-hmm. book. We know about that. That's public, right? You must. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Must yeah, be cool. revealed. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think they're really cool. Like they're, it's like a box of characters and they're all really dope. And I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying this one. Although I'm painting them up, uh, not as, Oh, what's the main storm world? not as hammers of Sigmar, but as like my guy ran guard. So I have to call them something else. I'm working on, uh, I'm thinking instead of black talons going with white claws. Nice. Uh, but, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's used for anything else. <laughs> no, I no. think that's all yours. TM, TM, no. TM, TM. Dibs. <laughs> Clever. Uh, cool. Hey, Will, what you been hobbying on? I mean, since we're talking about the Mad King Rises, I painted up the Mad King himself. Uh, <gasps> once again, thank you to Games Workshop for sending us that model. Painting it up and then just working on the rest of my Flesh Eater courts. I think I just have two units of horrors left and then they'll all be painted. And then I have to start basing. Sure. Very cool. Right on, can't wait to see the whole thing, uh, the whole kit and caboodle. Well, you'll probably have to because it takes me forever. <laughs> nice. <laughs> on my end, guys, you know I'm always working on uh, Warcry terrain. However, let me tell you a horror story, a terrible uh, tale fraught with peril. I'm missing one little bit from like one of the bamboo structure things from the Warcry tree terrain thing. It's like one of those protruding like bamboo things that you put in the side, like where the cross beams are and it sticks out the side. There's supposed to be like six of them or, or seven of them or something. And I only got six Uh-oh. and it's completely derailed every bit of hobby for the past, probably two months now that I cannot get past that. I can neither proceed nor go do something else. Cause it's what's on my table. And, uh, it's really, it's really making my head spin you guys. So I don't know. You can just convert exactly it. What like, I'm going to do about it. No, well, like balsa, uh, shut your filthy mouth. <laughs> no can't do any of that so i don't know i've been like per, like set up all sorts of ebay alerts for to see if anybody's gonna sell that like one sprue of course no one is who in their right mind would um i don't i don't know what i'm gonna do i might i just have to give up the hobby entirely frankly so that's yeah. where uh that's where i'm living that's where uh, i exist in the hobby space right now it was a good run yeah, you're saying I, that I, you've, I you've gone out on a limb is what i'm hearing yeah i would say that yeah God, it's literally, I mean, it's just right here. This is where I keep them. There's six pieces in here, not seven, like there needs to be. It's absurd. But hey, that's uh, that's, how, that's how the, I was going to say the dice roll, but it has nothing to do with dice, that's for sure. That's how the bow breaks. Yeah, there you go. Any other hobby factoids progress that uh, people want to share before we keep on keeping on? Too late, missed your chance. Before we do, we're going to get to that story phase. Just you wait. But uh, let me talk a little bit about our Mortal Realms plugs. And now I'm really self-conscious about the Mortal Realms plugs because I had to listen to Will do them last time. And it really made me reevaluate like how I sound when I do it. But I'm going to try and get out of my own head about it. And we're going to go go through them quickly. I set that bar real low. So yeah, it's <laughs> true. Um, hey, hey, people, you can find more episodes of this podcast and all our other shows at themortalrealms.com. Don't forget that the... the uh, you can email us your feedback at mortalrealms at gmail.com. And speaking of emails, we got an email from our from our dear friend Max. And they write, hello. Hey, Max. Uh, I really enjoy listening to your guys' podcast and how deep you guys dive into the realm's lore. Thanks. I really like that about us, too. Uh, this is the only podcast I have really found that does the lore d- justice. That's very kind of you to say. 
Anyway, uh, my question is, and they proceeds to ask a question about a previous book that we already reviewed that wouldn't apply here. Um, but I really, he wants to know about King Broad, and I think we talked about King Broad in a previous Dawnbringer book, and uh, King Trug, which was in those previous Dawnbringer books, but we haven't seen him in, 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 a, in a long while at this point. He also wants to know if they've gone deeper in the Ionis Cryptoborn story. Again, this is a very late email. Yes, we've talked about uh, Ionis Cryptoborn in previous episodes as well. But I wanted to do, do you justice, Max, to make sure that we did see your email. And I am going to read it on the air. And uh, we appreciate your enthusiasm for uh, the lore. So he says, thanks again. No, no, Max, thank you for uh, writing in. And dear listeners, if you want to get an email on this illustrious podcast... I can't promise that you will, but if you write me something, maybe I'll, maybe the, the spirit will move me and I'll read it. Like I just butchered it just, just a moment ago from Max's email. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, where else? What else we got to talk about? Um, oh yeah, you could find our Patreon at patreon.com slash the modal realms to support the show, get early releases of the story phase and access semi exclusive content like the pocket realms, which are short story phases hosted by Davey and myself, Aaron, as well as, oh, did we cut out the, uh, Warhammer Bros, a little tidbit here. I don't think so. I mean, guys, if you want to listen to uh, Paven's foray into 40K with his brother, you can also find that on Patreon as well. Uh, and if you can't or don't want to pitch in monetarily, and that's totally fine, uh, head on over to your podcast service of choice and give us a review or like a star rating or like a high five. I don't know. I don't review stuff. Whatever it looks like on the on that end. Or go ahead and tell a friend about the mortal realms. We really appreciate it. Hey, that's it. That was it. That was painless. That didn't hurt. And then one last thing before we get into the story phase. Oh, God, I'm just rambling. Um, but we do want to thank GUW for sending us the book of Dawnbringers, The Mad King Rises uh, to review. Uh, so they send it to us so that we can talk about it to you people. And so it's a nice little system we've got here. Really appreciate it. So um, thanks. And dare we move on to the story phase and get me to stop talking? The story phase. Yeah. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. You guys, we made it. Story phase, Dawnbringers, Magic Rises, Book yeah. 4, right? 4? That makes sense, right? 1, 2, 3, 4. four. Yeah, okay. We did it. We done did it again. Um, I ask this all the time, and I'll ask it yet again because I can't, I'm nothing if not consistent. But just to catch people up, but for whatever reason, this is the first Dawnbringer episode that they were going to listen to, which I don't recommend it, but that's fine. What uh, what do the people need to know? Like, what do the listeners need to know going into this? Um, and I'll let you guys define that in any way you want. What facts, events, people, places, things, mineral? I know, and that doesn't add, that doesn't that's not part of that. Do they need to know about if they want to walk blind into this here episode? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I can I can let me let me give it a shot. Please please. Okay, all right. So to catch people up, it's been a while. One city. It's in two different realms, two worlds. Oh, you're going, you're going deep. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they it sent out double cr a crusade out of each side. So there's two crusades, double trouble. And they're going terribly. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. Uh, and so we'll, we'll tackle each one. I'll do a, a re recap of each in turn. And then everybody jump in and correct me where I got it wrong. Okay, so first one, actually, Realm of Fire Crusade, heads out. Runs into Bloodbound. That goes fine, except their leader, who's really great, uh, has to go back to Hammer Hall because it's under siege. I mean, honestly, so, a little too great, which is why they had to send her back, right? Yeah, yeah, otherwise, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be much of a story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's Talia Vedra. She's, yeah. She she went back to Hammer Hall, but so and then so the 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 crusade was is kind of it gets taken over by religious zealots. Um, and then they go to truce break, and then a big old troll named Trug 
uh, comes in, smashes Truthbreak, and the Crusade runs away. And they barely escape, and then they run into dwarves, and then they run into elves, and then they run into more Bloodbound. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they barely escape uh, kind of by fighting and running, and they are joined by the Black Talons uh, at the end there, um, who are a elite assassination Stormcast group. And so they've kind of made their way east. They've taken heavy losses along the way, um, and they've become more and more religiously kind of uh, excited, we'll say, mm -hmm. the whole time. And they are led by Pontifex Zinestra, who is the high matriarch of the Cult of the Wheel. And the bad thing about the Cult of the Wheel is that they don't really like using wheels, um, which, you know, are Sounds sometimes ironic. useful. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, not yeah. always, but sometimes, yeah. Okay, so that's one half. It's going not great in the hot area. Down in Gairan, in the kind of jungle zone, we have, there's like a curse that's going around that's making people really lazy and d lay down and die. Sure, I've got that curse too, I think. I, I know that yeah. I know that curse intimately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it comes through, especially in the winter. Uh, but the crusade goes out, uh, it fights Maggotkin, it fights Ogres, it fights Iron Jaws. They meet up at Fort Gardas, and Fort Gardas also gets smashed by a bunch of destruction forces, this time by the King of the Gargants, King Brood, uh, who smashes the entire fort, and the Dawnbringers run away again, and it even kills Gardas, uh, who was there and also dies. But he's a Stormcast, <laughs> so he comes, he's going to come back. And then so they flee away, they run into more ogres, and then they run into eventually Kragnos. Uh, but then dragons come, and they Kragnos and kind of the dragons fight and run away. And so they're like, huh, weird. Uh, but also the Sylvaneth that were helping them go away, mm -hmm. they've also taken heavy losses and have run away a bunch. And now they are um, heading north towards the Neck, which is a Isthmus which we're big fans of. Yeah, uh, can't get enough yeah. of those isthmus. Yeah, well, like, hell yeah, famous isthmus, that's us. And their leader, his name is Marshall Thorian, and she is, her life powers are awakening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so that's a cool thing that's happening. But otherwise, she's just a regular human general leading the force. <laughs> yeah. Nothing special. She doesn't even have a bespoke model, which makes no. you really nervous for her. Oh, yeah, there's no way yeah. she's going to... She's going um, to take the uh, whatever the actually guys route out is. Oh, yeah. And, and well, yeah, what's what's what are you, are you mentioning our dwarf friend? Oh, no, no. The, the human guy who dies at truce break, but he didn't have a model either. So we know what happened to him. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. What did, what did I miss? I don't, um, I don't I don't know if you missed anything. I think you mentioned ogres twice and I think they only showed up once. Other than that, uh, that's fair. Ouch. Got him. No, I mean, that's 95%. Sure. I think there's been some things that have been peppered in that may inform the story. And that I think a lot of the, like the big reveals of this one have been foreshadowed a little bit in that, like, we know that there's this weird wine in Hammerhall that's making people act crazy. And we don't know, like, we're going to find out more about that. So I suppose we learned it in the battle tone. So like we, we know about it already. Yeah. We should mention that these, there's a rumor for the Gyranian crusade, uh, there's a rumor of a summer king in the north who may mm -hmm. be a great ally to the crusade, and they're heading north that way. Uh, he seems like a, a yep. good, ominous guy. 
Summer. What? I mean, everybody loves summer. Summer's great. Summer, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, Cotton summer. <laughs> What's how do you say her first name? Sol Solbright Astrea. 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 We know that she's hunting for the uh, like information about you know the the uh, flaws in reforging, and she found herself in Shyish. But oops, nope. She got teleported to Gyran through some weird like tattered tattered A flesh sweet banners. Piece of something. art. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet piece of art. So like that might come up at some point. Were there any like uh, foreshadow stuff, like the smaller foreshadow things that like are gonna may pay off in this uh, in this book? Besides that, those I think two big ones. Well, just the little short stories I've been putting on Warhammer Community, um, which is where we got the idea that Estrella was going through um, oh, sure. portrait, etc. So the stories are really cool. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely worth a read, and they add a little bit of texture to the story. So. Uh, I hate to say it, but they almost come out a little too fast in that, like, I miss every other one, like, if I'm not, like, <laughs> watching closely. And then I look back and realize that I, like, skipped three of them. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I got to go read these other ones. Any other hindsight stuff that folks ought to I'm know about? trying to think, and I don't think so. We did get, yeah, the Warhammer Community stories kind of setting up some of these other side characters like Sakar and... No, I think that, yeah, that's the only one that there, cool. we know there's a vampire doing nice. stuff. Neat. Well, then let's dive right in. So the book, I think, starts with the Gyronite uh, Crusade. And to pick up from where Pavement had left off, it's the Crusade is, crusade is moving northward. Uh, they're heading towards the Neck. And before they get there, though, they give us a little bit of the, like, the lay of the land or the state of the Crusade, I think, right? They don't just immediately roll up to the Neck. What do we, what kind of, what kind of state are they in? What, how, how do we find the Dawnbringer Crusade after their misadventures over the past three books? Any, any thoughts there? They're a little fractured because we're finding them like hours after Kragnos just showed up and started hitting people with a, his mace. And then their good allies, the Sylvaneth, are also leaving. And... Because this crusade is coming from Gyran as well, there are a lot of members of the crusade who are really in tune with the Sylvaneth, and they decide to also leave and just follow the Sylvaneth and just go their separate ways. Well, well yeah. not only do they decide to leave, some of them are actually kicked out of the crusade oh, yeah. because they yeah. start feeling the call of the hunt, and they yeah. get a little bit more feral, and they start like draping themselves in fresh animal skins and really kind of not being as disciplined as you need a standing army to be. And mm-hmm. so eventually they're just like, Hey, if you want to follow Balthanos, who is the avatar of the hunt in, in this part of the world, um, just go. And so this, <laughs> Please, you know, yeah, they're called the kin of the stag and they just get kicked out. So that further depletes the, depletes the crusade here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought this was awesome because uh, right away when they announced that Dawnbringers were a thing in AOS 3.0, I made a Cities of Sigmar army that was devoted to Elariel. And so I've already got this army pretty much all done. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it was fun to see that kind of that idea also pop up in the lore as well. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. And they spent a bit of time talking about Marshall Thorian again, and then like what she gets a, a fun new moniker, I believe, right? Because this is maybe mm-hmm. the first time that we heard that she was called the Dame of Leaves, or is the, or has she always been called that? She hasn't, right? Like 
I don't I feel like so. it's new. Yeah. yeah, right. She's grown into it. I mean, literally, maybe grown into it. Uh, okay. uh, isn't, like, her, isn't she turning into part like plant or something? Like, isn't like she physically so transforming? Right hand. Yeah. Um, which is super interesting because that's what Alariel's model is too. Alariel's oh. model only has the right hand that is actually oak. Everything else is human. So uh, I thought or that elf, was probably yeah, elf. I, you're correct. So I thought that was super intriguing um, that we're getting a human with the exact same mutation, as it were. Um, I really like Sylvaneth, and I like when things get Sylvaneth-y. However, the one strike against it is I would wish she was like more elven, like her. Like I wish the Marshal was more, like, not so much a human, and more my Wood Elf favorite. But that's fine. Yeah. Be- beggars can't be choosers, I suppose. I'll take what I can get. So that's pretty neat. Other but- state of the Dawnbringer Crusade before we get to where they get to. Um, I just want to mention, it sounds like the, the shutter blight is back. Um, we didn't yeah. hear about it a lot in the last book, but it seems to be like affecting uh, the rank and file again, this kind of uh, depression disease. Um, and like Nurgle is on the rise again, is what they mm-hmm. say. So his, his forces are mustering around, like kind of near-ish where the Dawnbringers are encamped. So it kind of further like, you know, uh, makes their situation more desperate. Like they need a move because there's, you know, forces kind of gathering around them. I was surprised to hear them brought up again. And I wonder if it was explicitly just so they had a, a, a motivating impetus to keep them moving forward, right? Like you can maybe wonder like, well, why don't they just hang out for a little bit and rest? And so like, oh, okay. And then move where they can because normal back. So they got to keep. Oh, yeah. Just let's, let's make the base here. Yeah. Yeah. This is the base okay, right? Right here. yeah. yeah. So uh, carry on. They do uh, the, those wayward sons. That was weird. And they head up into the neck, but they can't travel from much farther because they are, I guess, stopped is the word. Um, by what, my friends? I didn't see this coming. What uh, is impeding their advancement? A wall of bone. What? In the realm of life, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's not just regular bones. It's special shaped bones from the Osiarch Bone Reapers. I know those guys. It's, Again, it's just- in a weird place. What are they doing here? Yeah. It's also, it is the model they put in the Osiark uh, battle tome for uh, the wall. And it's one of the coolest things. Every time I see pictures of this, I'm always just like, this is absolutely amazing. So like that custom terrain thing that you can't buy. Exactly. And it makes me jealous every time that we can't buy it because it looks so freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So again, I know this is a radio show, but like, is it made up of other bits of other things or is it completely its own thing? My understanding is that it was like custom made, like some of it, maybe some bits, but I think it was like custom sculpted by one Mm -hmm. of the designers. And they were just like, this will be cool for ourselves. Right. It didn't actually go through the work of like putting it on a sprue. Hmm. You know, they I, I sell, I mean, you guys sell models, GW. You could just like you could you can make it and like sell it to us. I would give you money. I'd, I'll I'll be your first customer, Ooh. or second customer is, after. Is it like an official title, like first customer? That'd be a sweet <laughs> title to have. <laughs> I buy it's all the things thing. they release for this system. First, guaranteed. first sword. You know, I think it should be a title. I like where your head's at. But yes, they are stopped at this wall of bone, which is. It's gonna say. What is it when someone stands on top of a wall mounted by by a leash? Is this this is Leash Horrocks, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is some bone reaper? I'm sure he probably matches a particular role, but I can't remember what it is. I guess a because he's not on a horse, so he's not a cavalos. He's some other sort of leash. And he says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Back off! 
I thought you said he wasn't on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you, he basically, he, he pulls a, you shall not pass. Um, he says, back off. This is not a negotiation. I'll tell you what, if you want to settle right here, right now, that's fine. Uh, I won't even, I won't even tie you for, you know, millennia. I don't know some, some absurd amount of time, centuries. I, I'll even let you, I'll leave you in peace because obviously we all know that the bone reapers kind of work on a lar- longer time scale than maybe the rest of us. And it's, it's a real like sudden abrupt confrontation and like, Hey, here's the deal. You can back off or you can stay here and, and don't mess with us. Um, and we can have an understanding. And so then the, the crusade has to sort of quickly think on their feet. What are we going to do about this? Am I misrepresenting the situation at all? Or am I miss- missing anything about the situation they find themselves nope. in? That's kind of where they're at. I really enjoyed the fact of how much personality this Liege Horrocks has. Because he, like, just seems like he is done dealing with all of this. Like, <laughs> I, I wrote in the notes that he looks like he's on hour 94 of a 60-hour work week or something like that. He just, yeah. he seems like everything is too much at this point. I, like, this is a problem that I do not want to deal with. Just, like, go away. Or, like, you know, stay there. That's fine. Whatever. I, I'll, I'll let you be... Just don't make me file any more paperwork as to what's going on here, right? Like, I'm just here. This is my job. This is what I'm doing. Move on. I feel like the Dawnbringers caught him in the middle of a smoke break, and he's like, "Ah, oh, God, uh, please don't. Well, it's particularly funny because, like, they find him, the Dawnbringers don't know this, but we as the audience know that, like, we kind of find him on the back foot because Alarial's right of life has introduce some cracks into his wall basically like he they're not at their best right now and so maybe he's too busy trying to shore that up or he's, he himself is not at his best because he's sort of beset by this life magic and so like he's he's kind of putting on a front some degree as you know sort of being putting on the airs of you know the threat but like we as the audience see the cracks in his facade um and i think soon the Dombringers do too because they do not run and hide or you know retreat they do not take his his offer but rather they attack which good for them good don't fall for it my friends so how does this how's this attack go someone describe it to me i enjoyed the the kind of like dramatic tension here so basically the way that's written is we have thorian um who is discussing with lee torox what's going on and then like sending secret signals to her captain's being like, hey, does anybody think we can actually take this out? Right. So like she's trying to have this conversation with Lee Torox, who's really not there to have a conversation. He's just like, I just want you gone. Meanwhile, she's having these secret communications with her leaders. And one of them is like, hey, we can do it. And of course, it's the the, the female who is in charge of the cannons. She's like, we got enough stuff. We can, we can make this work. This is totally fine. And they decide that, yep, this is how we're going to do it. So... They start loading their cannons and like shooting everything. And this was what I thought one of the coolest things in the book is they talk about the special ammunition that they have called weird drawn seeds. Weird. Yeah. And I like basically it's a cannonball that's also a seed. And when it hits, it just sprouts life. And I'm like, this to me is one of the things that I love about AOS and I want to see a hundred percent more. Where you can add just a little thing that adds so much texture and like understanding to what the realm is like, then that really makes a major difference towards the plot. Because this is something that wouldn't happen in any other realm. They wouldn't have these weird drawn seeds, but the Jade Council apparently had been preparing them for forever, right? And 
when they actually hit, they actually need magic as well to continue to make them sprout. And so Thorian basically uses everything that she has to cause these seeds to sprout and these plants to go through, which basically makes a massive hole in the wall that they're just going to push through and move on. But Thorian herself passes out. She's like, all right, I've, I've done about everything I can. And peace out, I'm done. Um, I think they're cool. The seeds are neat because they were just going to use them to like grow, I think, like hedge hedge walls or things like that, right? Like just as like they were just going to use them to plant and, and that way. And they're like, nah, how, what if we shot them? What if we shot them at these dudes? Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, I was going to say the other cool thing is because uh, it's Bombardier Major Esmeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get a little bit about her background. Uh, she's a Dwarden, the last survivor of a strong point overrun by Geists. So she's carrying what is like holy silver bullets with her uh, so she can finally get her vengeance against the undead. And she leads uh, the Iron Weld, but also a little bit of grudgment of Clan Rutar. We got Dwardens, I think, showing their face for the first time mm-hmm. uh, in this crusade, which means they've always been there, but they haven't been doing anything so they finally got up and had to save the humans from the undead dusting themselves off yeah so they so they break on through right they break on through to the other side uh to borrow a phrase hey. um and uh they're able to push on through and so like i, I remind me guys i i have to di- differentiate between what i know and what like we know in this book did we know why this wall was built already from Dawnbringers, or is it because I, I came in with prior knowledge? I think we can uh, assume, because there's also like a cutaway a little bit previous to this, and I don't know where I get to, where a bunch of vampires are scheming mm-hmm. and trying to discuss like what to do with this uh, crusade that's coming north and what how that will affect the, the Mad King and if he will suddenly feel uh, a sense of like huge... You, you know, feel sympathy for the humans sure. and that will mess up their plans. And so it's a little ominous. And I think we can like, you know, the, yeah. the wall isn't to keep people out, you know, you're not locked in there with him. Like, what's so cool about like this, this battle is it's like, you know, our protagonist is the crusade, mm-hmm. but yeah. this is like not about them. He's like, Hey guys, this isn't about you. Just go away. This is something <laughs> else. You don't know what you're getting into. But we 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 follow we fire we you know battle north anyway. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really connect the dots until like right the second. And the reason he doesn't care is because he probably doesn't care about what his like he he was given this guard duty that I'm sure he's not a big fan of. And like that's probably informs a lot of his personality in terms of why he acts the way he does. I'm sure this is the last place that he wants to be. I'm now realizing. So, sorry. Uh, what's your name? Leech Horrocks. All right, Leech Horrocks. This is not your fight. So I'm just going to, I don't know if it's worth jumping ahead now because I don't know if it's worth sure. circling back later. But mm-hmm. since he, because we, we know he, he gets defeated in this battle and the Donners go go further north. Yep. But yep. later in uh, in like a like kind of a, a sum up to what happened to him, he is like griping because he knows he's going to be turned into something humiliating for <laughs> yeah. his loss. And he's like, oh, what am I going to be like? Am I going to be like in a horse skeleton later? Like, yeah. oh, this, this stinks. <laughs> No. I love that they know about it. Like that, like the classic skeleton is that skeletons don't have personalities. But the cool thing about the Bone Reapers is that, like, they have wants and hopes and dreams and aspirations, and I guess the opposite as well as they have fears and things that are going to be thrust upon them if they don't succeed. So, yeah. 
So push through, they do. I think we sh- do. We shift scenes after they are sort of victorious um, at this at this wall. We do, um, but real. Oh yeah, please. Quick. Uh, the thing is, they push through multiple different holes in this wall, mm. and the terrain isn't even. It's kind of rocky and mountainous. So now the the crusade itself is just fully scattered. They're just kind of running through the wall, hoping they can re group at some point down the path and that's where we sort of get sightings of little creatures kind of scrabbling along the rocks with them as they move yeah. up and they're sort of being watched um like every good D party uh they split up this scene reminded me gw made a custom board for lord of the rings where they had shalob was chasing characters through tunnels and so it reminded me of that board where we basically have these funneled valleys, as it were, that are right on the other side of this uh, wall. And people seem to be like near enough to know that somebody else exists, but too far to offer any assistance or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it just it leads into this labyrinth, essentially. Um, and I, I think it also is intended to represent the physical change of the land because Usheron is here. Like something about what he has done has made a difference. And I I thought there was a really kind of cool little piece here where they were talking about, um, actually it's a little bit farther on, but I think it works here. The, The ground is occupied by these solar shrines that the flesh eater courts have stuffed corpses and stuff into to make them into nexuses of power. But I'm wondering what civilization was here before that would make these solar shrines. I thought that was kind of a fun little textural historical thing that I hadn't heard of before. So I thought that was through, cool. Through any of the stuff that we've read, has, did it allude to what was in New Summer Court before he got there? I can't remember if it ever did. No, nothing Not that I know of. Mm. That makes me really, really curious as to what was here before. Sure. So right on. All right. So now the scene shifts um, to a, another fun character uh, whose name I couldn't pronounce earlier. It still can't. No, it's Astria uh, Soulbright. We pick back, pick back up with her where we left off, which is she had gone through a, what are they called? Realm Gate and popped into two guy ran to a, a deathly environment that I think she was surprised to find herself in. What does uh, what does she find? Where does she end up? Tell me about what Soulbright is so doing. We find her as the Crusade finds her because as they're going through the valleys, they just see bolts of lightning. Oh yeah, up ahead, mm-hmm. and they come and they just see her and her like troops just kind of hanging out, surrounded by ghoul corpses, just chilling. Sure. Um, and as they're trying to figure out where to go, some random. Ironweld Apprentice just murmurs like, oh, you know, we should go see the somber paladin. And they're like, what do you mean? Who is that? And he has no idea what they're talking. He doesn't even remember saying it really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Astraea picks this up because the somber paladin is who she's looking for. Okay. Well, perfect. What a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, That's great, should, right? Let's go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that is what they do and so I remember are they like escorted like or because how do they go from killing ghouls to like being guests of honor they start walking and then they are kind of found Mm -hmm. by a bunch of ghouls and 
invited by Sakar. Yeah, so it's like a pretty tense scene. So they get to the this castle that's kind of in the center of this, you know, Scooby-Doo land. Sure. And <laughs> like a bunch of ghouls come piling out of the castle. And they're just like, oh, no, no. And then they're like hitting him with lightning and like with hammers and stuff. But the ghouls like don't fight. And they kind of just like rank up and order up as much as they can. And then they're like, oh, come on in. And they're like, oh. And then, uh, like, one of the vampires um, that is there. Oh, what's her name? Sekar. 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 He's like, oh, the Summer King invites you to dinner. And and they're like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) And then so, like, but they're kind of surrounded and outnumbered. uh, So they go into the spooky castle. Having us for dinner, that's a double meaning. We we hear it. Hey. (laughs) Uh, Have them for dinner is have them over, I guess, for dinner is what they end up doing. And they are guests. And so this is always what I think Sakar was afraid of, is that like the, it's the magnanimous part of the ghouls. And they see these Dawnbringer Crusades as, you know, so, so, something to be protected or, you know, celebrated or, you know, welcomed, even if they themselves can't truly welcome anyone or protect. I mean, that's their version of welcoming is utterly mad and so she was i think she and her vampire friends were like nervous about this but they knew that if they got in the way of it or tried to object usharan would have some thoughts about that and so they had to sort of play along which is i mean really the theme of flesh eater courts is just playing along with these people so yeah and the 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 nice vampire so like maybe we should go over the factions at dinner uh because it becomes important all right there's the ghouls led by uh kind of a mysterious king that we Mm -hmm. haven't seen yet in the narrative but so the ghouls are there. This is their turf. Then there are the not the then the, the vampires. There's vampires in the ghouls that are crazy, and then there's like you know handsome vampires that are there as like kind of ambassadors from mm-hmm. death, diplomats, and they are kind of in charge of like getting the the king's blood wine and using that to destabilize Sigmar's empire. That's going on. So that's kind of their grift at the moment. And that's what they don't want messed up by the Donners. Then there's Asteria. Asteria? I want to say Asteria. I don't know. Asteria. There's too many vowels in that. In We're going to come word. up with 17 different pronunciations. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Soulbright, Soul who's there to learn. And she doesn't really care about the crusade. She just wants more uh, knowledge on how to defeat the curse. And she thinks this uh, this king, the somber paladin, will give it. Then there's the crusade that's kind of just swept up in it. And it's not the full crusade because it kind of broke apart and got lost. It's just like um, the, the, the general um, Marshall. Oh God. Nice Marshall Thorian and her like retinue and honor guard are are coming to dinner. So it's those. And then there's, uh, I guess we'll say one more. Uh, Who's the grand justice? Uh, Gourmain. Uh, Gourmain. Gourmain. Gourmain's yeah. kind of in there too, and he's working with the beautiful vampires because he's sane and he's like, okay, their plan has merit, but mm-hmm. he's definitely faction ghoul. So he's also playing a game. He's a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's I a love, wild card. Yeah. I love that there's literally just one sane guy who has to deal with all of this nonsense. <laughs> like he's become yeah. the focal okay. point for the narrative. Asks to or gets to, right? Like, I mean, depends how you look at it. He's like mostly sane, but he also sees the delusion. Like, he's like, you know, he's the most sane. 
Right. He's got a, and, a foot in the boat, a foot on shore, a little bit. Mostly and, sane means partially insane. Yeah. And, uh, and I just want to say I love intra-death conflict. I think yeah. it's like yes. the most fun uh, because they're supposed to be the most unified of the factions because it's supposed to be just all skeletons all the way down. Yeah. Uh, but like their conflict is, is really good and always super petty. Mm-hmm. And I and I, really, I truly enjoy it as like a way that like it's not just like good v evil. It's like oh evil versus also weird evil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So all right. I want to say I really like the the shots that they set up with the miniatures. They've done a lot of scratch building, which I think is super fun. On page fourteen, they have a really cool picture of a tablecloth uh, for the dinner. That's literally just like a bunch of skin with a bunch of pieces of. Uh, bones etc laid out on top of it and then uh, on page 15 they actually have like some super sweet paintings little miniature paintings that they've made and put on the walls so like, oh yeah i i thought that was really well done and it added so much to the reading in my opinion because it just it made everything seem a lot more fun and engaging so I know it's not part of the lore per se, but I think it adds to the lore when you see pictures of how they're cool they did that kind really of thing. setting the scene and Don bringers. Like mm-hmm. you're getting a great visual of what's going on, which as awesome as broken realms was, it was hard to actually visualize what was happening in some of those scenes. And now the listeners are getting a great visual in their brain hey, as we talk about it. So brain visual. Brain Super the type of visual. <laughs> yeah. And then we, as Paven pointed out, we have all of these factions at dinner, but they're all kind of scattered. They don't know why, but the ghouls are insisting on a really random seating arrangement, which I love because they're just like all maybe wearing loincloths for some of them. They just look like feral cavemen dudes, but they are also just like rushing people to their seats, making sure you're in your right spot, trying to get the airs of aristocracy and fanciness. And mm-hmm. this meat dinner that they have. Meat dinner. That's what I'm going to start calling my dinners. Meat dinner. You got like a thousand ushers and like 14 guests. And they're just like all shoved all over True. the place. It's great. So and nobody the, can understand the ushers. That's my favorite part is like <laughs> they're all speaking gibberish. They're like, you go here, you go here. But they're just hearing screaming and being like shoved, but not killed. So therefore it's all okay. I remember the the little cutouts of the battle tome where, of the guy who was like captured by the flesh reader courts. But like over time he started to like really ingratiate himself to them or vice versa i guess um and so i don't you don't it, that's not explicitly spelled out here but, but i bet you there's a couple a couple dawnbringers who are like you know what it's the nicest place i've been um so uh dinner begins i think most people are abhorred by the uh, spread quite a bit and everybody's sort of on edge and doesn't know what to do is this one does ushran comes through right like this is when he makes a big grand entrance right like at, at dinner tell me about that if y'all want I think only the fanciest restaurants serve steak tartare. So obviously this has to be a super fancy restaurant. But basically he comes in and we're basically told what's going on from the Dawnbringer perspective and from the Stolbrit, uh, from the Stormcast perspective where they just see this massive Hulk wandering into the uh, dining room and kind of lucid, kind of not. There's a, a bit of a speech going on. There's a lot of just formality. So 
if you weren't to say be there and witness all of the awfulness, get it? You would think Awful. this is actually a really nice uh, dinner party, but it it's just kind of crazy to everybody there, right? They're all just like, this is just weird, and this is not great. And Sekar and Gourmet end up having this little bit of a conversation off to the side. So Gourmet, again, is the mostly lucid uh, member of the Flesh Eater Courts. And she's like, I'm not, I'm kind of not okay with this because they, I don't think they should be here. I don't think he should have invited them. Like this just doesn't work great. Kind of as a tie on to the previous conversation they had. And then Sekar like leans over to one of her um, vampires and is just like, Hey, why don't we just like go encourage something to happen over there? So we get a real feeling of courtly intrigue going on and we go over to the bombard general. Wait, hold on. I, I, I just want to. I want to. I want to freeze right there because yeah. things are about to pop off. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. But, but, but before that, I want to mention that some of the some of the humans there they see a really like a kingly king come down, yeah. like a be- like a, a beautiful man, handsome man, handsome man. Like, okay, maybe maybe it's not so bad here, but. Estria, <laughs> our, 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 our difficultly named to pronounce uh, Lord Arcanum, does see through it. And she knows, okay, this is a really gross giant vampire. Uh, but she goes and talks to him and she's like, hey, can you give me up this? Give me the secrets of life and death real quick? Yeah, just real. Uh, just, like, he'll cook me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, and she's also knowing, like, it's trying to like pick out the dynamic that he seems like a little agitated, but like then the beautiful vampire is like, oh, like, oh no, it's just okay. You know, you're nice. I think he like calms down a little bit and stuff. And so like, okay, there's a lot going on here. And she is like trying to work her own game to try to get this, this, this information out. And then like during that conversation, I guess we'll jump right back to Paul. Switch. So we have this, Vampire going over to the bombard bombardier general Esmeld. And as mentioned before, like she really hates the undead, right? As Will said, her entire strong point was wiped out by the undead. And so all it takes is just basically one little whisper to set her off. And she shoots the Summer King in the chest, right? And all everything breaks loose. Usharan turns around, runs out. All the ghouls just start killing, eviscerating pretty much everyone within reach. Wait a minute, Paul. All right. They, there's a couple of things. One, those were right. silver bullets, like blessed by the ashes of martyrs. So it, was mm-hmm. like, it wasn't just like a bullet. It was like an undead killing bullet. Sure. Um, so it, like it does serious damage to Usharan, or so it seems. And he, like, he flees away. And yes, things break out. But it's not... The violence isn't random, right? Like, there are, there are in particular people picked out for for the violence, right? Yeah. And, uh... Will, who is it? Yeah, so Paul, Paul said that the ghouls attack everyone within reach. That random seating arrangement that happened before wasn't actually that random. 
And instead, Ushorin was placing his biggest and strongest right next to all of those beautiful vampires. So when they started going crazy, oopies, all the people who were whispering in his ear and controlling his cord are suddenly being ripped to shreds. Yeah, and the vampires are all separated and spread across the room, so they can't, like, they can be, they're very powerful, but they're overwhelmed by the ghouls, who are weak, yeah. like, far, far more. Sure, like, divided and conquered, kind of, a little bit. And yeah. I don't know if it's right away, because, I mean, I'm sure they defend themselves for a bit, but, like, eventually, the vampires realize that they gotta get a, a dodge, and so Sakara has, in some ways, planned for this contingency, because she's very smart and always is always one step ahead or or at least not one step alongside i suppose because she probably wasn't ahead here um but she had already plotted out an escape route and so at one point maybe i'm jumping too far ahead but at one point they do make their way through these catacombs underneath the castle and that was always they're going to be their way out and so she never thought she was necessarily going to have to use it but now more so than ever that her her forces are being separated and divided and overwhelmed by the goals that that's a great opportunity to make yourself scarce yeah, and she has a really cool moment where she like notices the seating arrangement and notice how the vampires are being overwhelmed and attacked. And she was like, "Was was this all part of the game? Game like, recognized game? She was I think worn yeah. up on this Summer King the whole time, and that he was just kind of a a crazy idiot. But like, was all of this part of the plan? And she's like, "Okay, well, I got to get out. It's time. Yep. Like, this this you know the party's gone sour. I got the cops are on the way." Gotta go. <laughs> sure. Crazy idiot like a fox. Yeah. And on her way out through the catacomb, she runs into her co-conspirator, Gormain, who's waiting for her. Weird. Except he's not there to help her. He's no longer got that flash of sanity behind his eyes, and he's instead there to issue the judgment of the king. And that's when she realizes she was definitely a few steps behind uh, the Mad King as he plotted her demise. Yeah, and he charges her with uh, regicide because um, he was he knew enough to know that she kicked it off, but not know enough to any know what any, anything else that's going. On. Uh, he's full, <laughs> he's full in delusion at the moment. Yeah, but she still escapes though, right? Like what I, I forget what he, I mean. He's not going to be able to yeah. take down a there's, vampire. There's like a battle, you know, it goes yeah. back and forth Warhammer style. There's like one True. of those vampire uh, palaquin models, that big old weird kind of uh, floating chariot kind of thing. Well, that thing dies, gets blown mm-hmm. up at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, the snake uses its finishing move, which is True. sucks all of the souls that are left or like the death energy just out of the room and swallows it like a snake god might Mm -hmm. um and that that kills everything except you know gourmet gets away and uh but she's able to escape but she doesn't like using the super move because there's an off chance that this god could get enough power to become like god power again and then big trouble sure exactly and i like i love probably more than anything when you describe our character super moves. Um, so that's, that's a real highlight for me as a listener of this, of this podcast. So escape, she does, she was, she was not in the driver's seat this whole time, but rather just another pawn to the mad King. I think it's around here where is it? Estrella follows Usheron, right? Like she hunts him. Mean, she's like, Whoa, whoa I'm, he goes fleeing and she goes after him. Cause she's not done with him, but things don't go well for her either uh what 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 happens then 
She sounded yeah. like you objected. Like things did go well for her. Well, and I don't no, think that's no, true. No, no, no. <laughs> Depends what you're into. Yeah, because yeah. she she shows up and she she finds Ushorn in the the library, and she starts asking his questions. Only he just sort of stands up and like Wolverine style, the silver bullet just kind of pops out of his chest, and he no longer has to pretend he's fully crazy or pretend he's weakened. And they just have a nice conversation about morality and honor. And then he starts killing all of the Stormcast very brutally. Mm-hmm. And he starts having a meal of her. <laughs> but it, he's very generous because it makes the note that he gives her enough time to scream um, sure. as he's doing it. She so. does not discorporate like quickly, which is no. messed up. I also like there was a little detail in there where it talked about she communicated with the others, the other Stormcaster with her using electrical semaphore. And I thought that was a cool little touch to add, like how to have combat language. So I thought that was super fun. Another fun note of this is like during this big fight where all these Stormcasts are fighting with Shorin, she does try to grab some of the books out of the library, hoping that they'd have the cure in it. Because all things considered, she's still a giant nerd. Why would there be an 80s band inside of a book? And, and never mind. <laughs> the cure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple of things, a couple of just a little details to add. So like the Stormcast split apart and like half go to defend the crusade because um, we need that to keep going. And sure. then half go and chase Usheron. And then they do have like a big uh, kind of a combat of words where she like tries to appeal to him um, and get him to give up some secrets. Um, and calls him like tries to appeal to his better nature uh, but he says it's all a ruse like everything's a ruse like i have like i knew what was going on the whole time um and even back then when i was had this nice persona when i was like a you know a, a noble knight of death um back in the age of myth that was also a ruse you mm-hmm. know you know i you know i think you know and there's a lot going on here like how crazy is he and how like not as crazy as we thought but he's still like is he like justifying his delusion? Is he like how aware, like, you know, maybe he's only aware part of the time, like what's going on. Um, but then eventually he's like, yeah, if you want some books, come and take them. And then he just goes nuts on the Stormcast. There's also a great piece of art in this book. Yeah. It's one of the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, this is like probably number one rough Stormcast death. Cause usually they explode into lightning or they go straight to hell. But either way, it's quick. But I've never I've never heard of it going slow purposefully. Yeah. Like, oh, just like ne- like saving the killing blow while you like eat. Her. This is like really gra- graphically. It was. Like yeah. you eat her alive. Yeah. Carved her into raw chunks, wolfing down storm blessed flesh. My biggest concern, because like she's got a named mount. Don't ask me what the name is, but her mount yeah. is identified. Like... What happens to the mount? Like, is 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 it okay? I don't. I hope it's fine. <laughs> fine yeah, guys, you guys, uh, you went to a farm. Yeah, I hope I hope does. we continue with this character because this is great yeah. character development to get eaten alive. Like, I think this would do something weird to a storm cast. Well, they did a pretty good job of even setting her up in the first place. It was I don't know if it was in this book or in one of the community short stories, but like she's from Hish, right? Like she's got she she has a little bit of a background. Uh, as to like where she comes from and like it would be such a waste to have gone into that level of detail even i mean it's still just a short story or some blurb somewhere but like it's not nothing and so like 
yeah and plus she's got a model so they're not getting rid of her right so like we'll I'd be interested yeah. to see what comes of it uh, eventually yeah it'd be cool if she gets thunderstrike armor and then you know sure. it's a special got a special vampire job or something have they referenced but, thunderstrike armor at all in any of these dawnbringer books like when gardas dies or when you know she drops like does it even talk about like the cursed guys or anything like that it doesn't doesn't it yeah. talks no. about cursed guys because when gardas dies like we all know he's coming back but it makes a note of like w- with the crusade they don't a hundred percent know that gardas okay. is going to come back mm-hmm. so they still like held a vigil like a cele- yeah vigil celebration of life type mm-hmm. thing for him gotcha and that they, just in case doesn't they talk about how like the whatever the chamber there in the sacrosanct chamber like was kind of is like late it hasn't gotten a lot of the new thunderstrike armor or am i just imagining that you're right they haven't but they haven't talked about it well i mean they literally have because they, they haven't redone the models but like right. yeah exactly <laughs> that, that was mentioned that like you know some some chambers are getting it sooner than others but that might be my own dreams yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think it's so always just a function of whatever models they want to end up doing, right? So like, they could say whatever they feel like because we're at the mercy of plastic. Um, this is an interesting thing because... I'll be the judge of that. We'll find out. Uh, the previous book with The Long Hunt, we saw Vandis Hammerhand, who was the like leader of the Stormcast half of the first edition starter box. And here we have Astraea Celebrate, who she wasn't the leader of the first edition of the second edition starter box, but she came out in that release cycle. Mm-hmm. So we're getting some of those like edition starting named characters coming back into the story and actually doing stuff. Sure. And it has nothing to do with this book whatsoever, but uh, what's his face? The other like that, the guy that we always talked about was never going to come back up again, but he got a short story in Warhammer Community. Gabriel Sherhart. Um, so, like, there's another name character from early days that I think is showing up in these Dawnbringer things. But this is not a short story review. It's a Dawnbringer Mad King review. So that's what... Just real quick. It's so great that um, that Age of Sigmar's been around long enough that we can, like, have callbacks to callbacks, characters yeah. and feel like a nostalgia for them. Yeah. Isn't that silly? I mean, it's... What has it been? I mean, nine years ago, I suppose, when Age of Sigmar came out. So that, yeah, that is a chunk of time. But like, and, and we're such suckers. Isn't that like just how nostalgia works in that, like, yeah. you know, this nerdy nerddoms that we get, like get into as soon as they start throwing us stuff that, that we recognize, we gobble it up. And I don't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. Yeah. And I was like extremely hesitant with like first edition Age of Sigmar. Like I had some sure. real qualms with it. But now like looking back on that stuff, I'm like, <laughs> days. Yeah, man, if, you could, if you could tell yourself from back then to be like, you know, this guy that you're maybe poo-pooing about, you're going to love when he shows back up in nine years <laughs> <Yeah>. from now. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go wild. Hey, that does bring us to the like end of the main section of the Gear Knight Dawnbringer mm-hmm. Crusade, which... Just like the first part, this latter part also isn't really about them. It's mm-hmm. about the internal politics of this deathly court, and the Dawnbringers just happen to be there and be like the inciting incident for Ushoran to rise. I kind of like, and I think we talked about this before when we talked about like the Vandis and the cool thing, and that like I think this is really neat to use this as a mechanism by which you just for you to see other interesting things going on in the realms but from the perspective of Dawnbringers and they're just like the, the vessel by which it's the, it's the, um, it's a small world after all cart that you ride along with that you can see these big things as you sort of drive, drive by and look at these big events that they get like wrapped up in. I'm sure there's a term for what that is from like a narrative perspective, but like this 
yet again, another example of looking at big impactful things um, as you sort of drive by it from a Dombringer um, perspective. I think we call it forest gumping. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. There you go. That's I'm sure. That's good. So, okay. So but let's talk about what like immediately, can we talk about the aftermath after their, like yeah. af- after this moment? So, okay. So immediately we, so it switches back to the camera's focuses on the Dawnbringers remaining in the summer keep. Uh, yeah. They're still here. They're not dead. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're preparing for a last stand here uh, because they're surrounded by ghouls and it's horrible. And, um, but then Gourmet shows up and says, uh, you're actually all free to go. Good luck. And then, cause like Marshall Thorian was like really tired and kind of just ready to die. <laughs> like this, this, <laughs> this all has sucked a lot. And I lost like, my I hand. Like, yeah. I know. Like I'm so tired and it all on me. And there was like a relief in just fighting these monsters to a last stand, but like, no, she has to go on. And she like marches her people out and with the remaining people, she lost a lot and she knows they're either being eaten by ghouls or turning into ghouls. And it says like, she, as she marches out, like tears are streaming down her face, uh, which is real sad. And I was like, oof. So that, so, so, but the crusade lives, it, it, it yeah. maintains its command. Um, you hear about a few little snippets uh, about what is going on for the other like parts of the crusade that is lost in this, you know, really uh, spooky Halloween town. Do you guys want, is there any, uh, do you want me to go through them all or do you guys want to like pick out the ones you like the most? I have them all. I say, I was just going to call out the clan Rutar one. Cause I've mentioned like, Hey, they finally showed up. We've got Dwarden. And then they get cornered by ghoul Kings and almost slaughtered. And the few survivors now have eternal grudgment against the summer King. Yeah. Um, that uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, oh, dwarves. Yay. Dwarves are finally. Yeah. Oh, oh, and oh, the no. guy. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. The, another, another really rough one was uh magister theorem, uh, who was a druid or one of the green cloaks that had accompanied the crusade. And he was, uh, he had a retinue to protect him, um, but they were, they were lost. And what they found was, uh, him and his retinue turned into a meat tree or like a tree made of human parts uh, by the yeah. girls, which is really rough and gross. Um, uh, so that's a bad way to go as well. Yeah. And they say that like everything is like a branch of a tree kind in my mind, it's like a weird version of like a, one of the necropolis stalker OCR bone reapers they have with a bunch of heads and a bunch of arms but with the skin still on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Real rough. Yeah. yeah, not great. And, and then there's a last one with Submarshal Keras. His group is actually fine. They find an unspoiled spring in the heart of the area, and they don't really remember it, but they got a drink of water, and now they're ready to keep crusading. Probably fine. I'm sure nothing weird happened. It. I'm sure it's no problem. Like, yeah, And I love the idea that that we have the cities of Sigmar people going to a spring like the Bretonians worshipped a woman at a spring, but then just kind of showed up again. And then, yeah, no. So I thought that was a fun little call out. What do you guys think it was? Like, or is there no way to know? And it's just, it's meant to be an unknown. It's, it's a big thing of blood and they just drank it. Yeah. I'm assuming oh, okay. this shows up later. Yeah, <laughs> like, there. Maybe, maybe not a good sign for the future of the crusade. Yeah, they I think so. They, okay. 
they talk about how, and then they explicitly talk about later how about how much of the crusade has been infected with the ghoul curse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, all of the necromantic shrines uh, exude the curse. And I think just being around Usheron is like, you know, ground zero for that stuff. So we have to assume that the crusade is heavily infected with a big old ghoul yeah. problem. Uh, but we don't really know what happens next. This is kind of where yeah. the action leaves. Yeah. yeah I will say at the beginning of the Dawnbringer series, I said that the Gyran Crusade was going to be a successful ghoul crusade. <laughs> and you may think that this being book four, and we know there's a book five, that I would be persuaded against my ideals. But no, I'm doubling down harder. <laughs> it's just going to be all ghouls at the end of this. It doesn't look like a bad a bad prediction. No, yeah, yeah. I think you're fine. Yeah. I, there's no reason to back off of your yeah. initial prediction. I just assume like, oh, if the you know if Ushorin is gone, therefore it can't be it. But nah, everybody's sick. Let's go. I love that like the main theme of the Giron Crusade in this book is basically just like a bunch of tired characters just dealing with other people's crap. Right, like Lee is just like I'm so tired, I don't want to deal with this, and like Sekar is like I'm so tired of dealing with Zushra, I don't want to deal with this, and even like you know, the the general of the cities or Sigmar is just like, all right, fine, let me die. I'm so tired of dealing with this. Just let me die; it'll be over. And like, oh nope, sorry, y'all gotta like actually deal with the consequences. I also like the crusade is just like them quarantining different groups. Like you guys have the Shredder Blight, you guys have the weird <laughs> hunt thing, yeah. you guys are ghouls. Who's like, there's very few normal people, but they're still trudging along. Sure. Speaking of having no normal people, I feel like it's time to go to Akshi. What are you talking about? They're full of normal people. Things are even weirder. I don't know. They're just normal men. Yeah. All right. Action Crusade, unless anybody has any other Gyron Gyron, uh, thoughts. All right. Actually, and it is. So we kind of did a State of the Crusade for the Gyran side. What's the uh, State of the Crusade on the Action side? Someone remind me. How, how are they faring thus far? Well, I think they're basically like, all right, we just got completely wrecked by the Ideneth. And bad things are happening and nobody knows what's going on except for. What's her face? And I'm just blanking on her name. Pontifex Zenestra or Neve Black Talon? Except for Pontifex Zenestra. Like, everybody's just like, Pontifex Zenestra is the best thing, and she doesn't know anything that's going on, but we believe in her, so therefore everything is going to be great. Yeah. Right. Sure. On top of that, we also have very similar situation that the guy ran Crusade did of like, oh, we ally with the Fire Slayers. Well, now they're going to go fight the Tragos. Oh, we... We're fighting the Ideneth, and now we're allied with the Ideneth, and now they're gone, also fighting Trogoths. And now we've got Neve Blacktail and the Stormcast, all four of them, because Vandis and those Stormcasts helped us, and then they wandered off. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing we still have Talia Vedra. Oh, no, wait, no, she left oh, a long time she ago. She wandered off, too. Oh, Weird. Oh, this is ridiculous. I feel like ni- at this point, 90% of the people like lost from these Crusades just sort of left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like all have, some, have some real like abandonment issues at this point. Yeah, sure. And I know we're skipping over the the different perspective, but I just wanted to get the lay of the land of the crusade first. But I, I know. I, we Hold on. Can we quickly ahead. check in with who is the dwarf from the first book? Fury? Fury? Yeah. Fury. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Uh, did he actually leave on the crusade? Did he go with? 
No, no idea. No, no, he never. <laughs> like, we're hung up on this guy who never he's even like, okay. he, stepped let's, out. Let's leave him in our back pocket. He could still, you know. Sure, I'm not he done with be like, yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy ran Dwarden, where he's there, they just don't talk about him mm-hmm. <laughs> until he shows up in the last book or something. <laughs> to, to get killed. Like, he's actually a ninja fire slayer. He's just yeah. like secretes himself all over the place. He's going to show up as like, you know, just the rules. He had a destiny to survive and yeah. to do something. As, oh, as like, if it was just a survive, on the he Mortal just like, went home, had a stake. It was great. Nobody had any problem. That's with him. It's fine. Okay, so uh, you're talking about people leaving, and again, I know this is a little out of order, but that we're not we're not done, right? Like, so you mentioned the Black Talons. What 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 what's their story? What are they up to lately? So it's a weird change of perspective because they're out there doing their cool assassin things, and they're sort of escorting through the crusade, and they notice, oddly enough, that there are vampires nearby. So Neve Black Talon has this cool idea of, well, we don't want the vampires to attack us. So let's get a bunch of people and let's attack the vampires. And that's going to work out perfectly. Because, I, you know, I'm Neve Black Talon. I'm definitely not going to lose a fight. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I have you, a name did, and a motto, so I'm fine. Did you uh, mention, like, w- what they were doing? Sure. Now we can talk about that. Let's let's, let's mention that. Um, I wanted to start with the Dawnbringer perspective just okay. to acclimate people. But actually, this section, dear listener, doesn't even start with the Dawnbringers like you would expect. But rather, it's a, out of left field. We start following our our favorite bestial vampire lady, but Laukavai. And apparently, she's kicking in and actually, too. Hey, guys, where'd she come? <laughs> Why is she here? Where'd she come from? What's the deal? There's, she has a weird call out uh, against Prince Vordhai, who is also a named character, who's just a weird alternate build of the vampire lord on Zombie Dragon. Mm-hmm. But it's House Castelli versus the Avangori Dynasty, a vampire on vampire action, and it's all about just honor. They they're making these plans to meet up and duke it out to claim one person has more honor than the other. The problem is the Avangori vampires are a little bit more bestial. Some of them kind of went off the leash and started having a nice little dinner of Dawnbringers. Oh, shucks. And that's going to come back to bite them. So before she can even get a... Before she can even get to her vampire on vampire fight... She's got to take on these Dawnbringers. And she has a little bit of time because, <clears throat> for those who don't know, the Castellite Dynasty, they live in the Crimson Keep, which just teleports every day. And there's mostly no rhyme or reason, except they know every, what, 127 years or something so, like that, yeah. it's going to show up in one specific spot. And actually, that is just a hop, skip, and a jump through a realm gate away. Uh, for Laukavai, so they meet, they decide, you know, next week, 7 p.m., we're going to meet up, we're going to fight, we're going to call this, and then we're going to be good. Uh, but before then, she has to deal with the Dawnbringer Crusade. Um, just a question, has this rivalry always existed and I just didn't know about it, or is it made up for this story? It's a bit of both. It's oh. been mentioned before, but it's never mm-hmm. been like front and center. A big sure. thing is... I can't think of them right now. Paven, you will know. The Askurgan Trueblades. War, yeah, the Warcry Vampire Warband, the Askurgan Trueblades. 
they're very aligned with the Castellite dynasty because it's all about honor and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Laukavai is the one who killed all of the originals back in the Age of Myth. Oh. So they don't like her. Well, it's, it's kind of weird, though, because her name is Laukavai, and Vai is also the last name of the member of the Askrigan order that she killed to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, I think also, she was a member. Yeah, she also follows the code. She, she, yeah, th- that's part of her backstory. So oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. But one of the things I love about this section, though, is like to start off, like, oh, all right, we're going to get into actually everything, like killing everything. It's going to be great. And we start off, and she's just like meditating. And then she's just super annoyed that people are bothering her right now. <laughs> She's hanging upside down in a tower and she's like, this looks like a great place to meditate. And then people start shooting cannonballs at her and she's like, really? Like, I just, uh, okay, fine. I guess I got to go deal with this. So I was amused by that. So it sounds like, wait, so who struck first, I guess, is, was it the, uh, Avangori or the Dawnbringers? I think it was the Dawnbringers. I think I misspoke earlier. Because Neve was like, hey, we got to go get them before they get us sure classic there is a, a cool little thing in here though one the reason why the the castle apparently shows up though is because upon the day that it was said that nagash devoured the ancient cinder god which i was wondering is that a reference to hashut to the chaos Jordan god because he's the god of the forge, so the god of cinders, so it could be the it could be Hashet. It also could be theoretically, it could be uh, Grungy. No, what's the who's the Grimnir? Grimnir. It could be Grimnir. Um, so either way, that's a story I'd like to know. Uh, because if it's a god of death, I'd love to know that. You know, or yeah. if it's a Hashet thing, that'd be great. So I thought that was an interesting little thing. If Hisha was defeated, man, we may never get Chaos Dwarfs. So don't don't put that juju out there. He's yeah, undefeated. Right. Don't like he's <laughs> he's doing just fine. Fair. It's unaffiliated Cinder God. Cinder. <laughs> Independent in all ways. So cannonballs start flying at Lakubai and her group i don't know her her battalion of vampires knocking towers down because uh neve decided that they needed to strike first right was this a good plan was this was this worthwhile did it pay off for them no it was really bad (laughs) surprise surprise so they didn't know at the time they're like oh we got a special guy special gal like we're gonna be fine but the vampires had a specialer gal (laughs) more special hiding in the tower and she kicks everybody's butt, and then she flies to the Aqua. Do we talk about the Aqualith yet? Not yet. No, tell me about it. Okay, so the reason they're over here anyway is that, you know, they're dragging around all these flying islands called Metaliths, and uh, one of them, and that's part of the Crusades, they just drag around these, fly, these, these islands. They're useful because they yeah. float. I would too. And one of, one of them has the Aqualith, Aquifer? Yes. Aqualith. Aqualith, which is an aquifer of aquafina, a type, I think, which is <laughs> yeah, which has all the aquafina that the crusade needs <laughs> while, it's in the, while it's in the desert. Hey guys, um, it's the hey main one, um, <laughs> but it gets really windy and it blows away like a balloon, and so they're chasing it like a like a you know with their arms outstretched. <laughs> 
Like, but up, it, like the movie Up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. then the, it blows right next to the scary castle. Neve's there. And Neve is always making bad decisions. Uh, but usually they work out. And so, you know, what's what's her name? Oh, God, I'm so bad at names. Chicana. Lucara. Lakwa Vai. She gets you really mad because they hurt her bestial children. Uh, and so she wants to punish them. Um, and she does so by flying through, knocking over some black talons, and um, doing an, a, an evil ritual to the Aqualith. And she completes the ritual without you know, Neve being able to stop her. And then she flies away. She was like, okay, good enough. Um, yeah. and so she flies away, and then the Aqualith no longer um, shoots out water, and now shoots out blood. Um, oh, not as good to drink. Nope. Well, I mean, depends Almost who it. you are, though, I suppose, right? Yeah, right? Some people prefer it, depending on who you are. So this obviously is a blow and also diminishes Neve's standing, I think, with the crusade. Because isn't it around this time where they're like, WTF, Neve, what the hell? And that she gets... Uh, they they get indignant. She gets indignant. Everybody's indignant about all this, and it's around now, I believe, where she's like, "Fine, we out." Then, if that's the case, I, there's a really cool there's a really cool moment here where they kind of put her on trial a little. Oh bit, yeah, but mm-hmm. like you know, they don't really have jurisdiction over the black talons, but they like there's like a big argument, and like you know, some people speak like kind of the non-religious speak on behalf of the black of black talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more the religious folks are like, what did she do? And they're, they're right. Like she totally freaked it up. There you go. And uh, and then oh, so the trial is going on and then um, and like Neve's just taking it. She's fine. But then um, Hendrick, who's the old wolf, yeah. uh, who like kind of is like the mentor slash kind of in charge, but not really. But he's not, you know, but he's like he's got a nefarious streak, though, too. Like he's he's mysterious, too. Oh, definitely mysterious. And but and so Neve is just taking the abuse, but then they notice like like a little bit of sparks starting to to fly, or like it just like the smallest hint that she's starting to get angry. And Hendrick's like, "We gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) We're We're looking at Excelsis Part Two over here." Yeah. And so the Black Talons dip out, um, and everybody is kind of relieved. Well, I and I love his excuse because like the person in charge of the crusade who is definitely not Pontifex Anestra, it's just a different marshal who has the wheel symbol etched into his forehead. He's like, well, <laughs> you know, how come you led this attack? You're not a part of the crusade. And Hendrick's, yeah, we're not part of the crusade. Later. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> just, just leaves. I love it. Neve leaves. Hey. This sounds this sounds similar. So yet again, another example of uh, abandonment of these Dawnbringer Crusades. But that doesn't matter. They've got uh, Pontifex Sinestra, and um, they continue on. Do they do they know where they're going? What what drives their direction now at this point? I gotta remind myself. Well, the original plan was to go east, break through the Skaven. And settle on the coastal lands uh, out there that are, I don't know, nicer because you have like a easy, beach, right? Easy, easy. Yeah. Must have followed through yeah. exactly what they wanted to and done that plan, yeah. right? 
right? Yeah. Um, but they, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the first time actually them telling us where they were trying to go. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, we're trying to go there. But then it says like, there's no way they don't have the water for it. It's too sure. hot. I love the idea that like nobody looked at the map until this point of the crusade and went, oh, crap. <laughs> we uh, we did not go the right direction there. This is, this is not going to end well. Yeah. Well, they expected to have more water than they have, which is not very much. And um, so then like there's. So, yeah, there's like kind of a little bit of infighting and there's two there's two camps, right? Yeah, we've got the. The the religious folk hanging out with Pontifex and Nestra, following the cult of the wheel. But then you've got like the more normal folks following a freshly graduated uh, from the Academy Marshal uh, guy named Fungus Smold. He's just a junior officer of the 14th Leaden Bulls Artillery Echelon. But everyone kind of thinks he may be the illegitimate son of the first, I guess, the second marshal. After Talia left, the guy who took over and then blew himself up. Yeah, Malchorn. Yeah. He's disgraced and then redeemed Grand Marshal Malchorn. Or just regular Marshal Malchorn. Yeah, I think we're just regular Marshal. Yeah. They've had a lot of people taking the role of Marshal for this crusade. It's hard to keep them all tracked. That's not a recurring theme at all, that everybody just keeps dying. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, the crusade, we, we, we talked about this at the beginning. The crusades are doing poorly. (laughs) <laughs> not not great. Yeah. So, so Smold keeps uh, smoldering over in the corner because hey. he doesn't think Pontifex and Estra has the best ideas for the crusade in mind. And so there's a bit of a back and forth. There's a bit of a split between the two of them. They, you know, basically make sides. And then early one morning, he wait, just wait, wait. Aces. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Before you get to that, uh, I just want to say, like, there's two. So what they, each of them want to do, uh, Pontifex is an extra, and the quote-unquote wheel nuts want to just go. And they're just like, hey, Sigmar is in the driver's seat right now. Sigmar is in my passenger seat. And we're going to be fine as long as we have faith. And you're like, well, that doesn't seem like a great idea. And then... Fungus and his faction want to go home. <laughs> They're just like, we're just going to go find the first marshal and like, then we'll come back. Or we'll just go all the way back to Hammerhall. Either way, uh, I think this is done. This is done. And I'm like, well, that's giving up. I don't like that either. But that's kind of like the two ideas is forward or back. Um, and then what happens, Paul? One morning they wake up and Smold has just like run off. And they're like, oh, oh he, he, he was making a mess anyway. It's fine. And then like more units just start running off after him. And they're like, yeah, no, we, we didn't know this was happening, but we're going to go now. And they're like, OK, well, we're still OK. And then they go look at the food stores and go, oh, he took like all the food. So great. So now what do we do? Yeah. So not only are they like dying of thirst, they're going to die of hunger as well. And I think it's around this time where Zenestra's zeal is is zealous or whatever, and she starts having visions and she starts dreaming about this this keep of blood, and it turns out that like she's having this dream about that very blood keep where the Castelli vampires are going to go through, and everybody's like, "What? Like, you want us to go there? That's insane!" Like, but she's like, "No, no, no, they're gone by now because that was days ago. We're cool. We should head in that direction." 
and yada 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 they do i mean was there more to the decision to go that way other than like it was a nearby place to like sort of hunker down right they needed to go somewhere and that was that was close by and there was a vision and she's not one to deny visions right like that's kind of her her deal so yeah so all we have left is like the nut jobs and then we also have elves and dwarves who had their reasons Sure. You keep your keep your secrets, elves and dwarves. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was. I was like, okay, are they? We gonna are we gonna find out what those reasons were? No. What? No, why would we the, do that? Yeah, like why would these these elves and dwarves hang around with these nut jobs? Uh, but either way, they head. They keep heading out, and it's battered, and they're they don't have any food or water, but they, you know, through grit and desperation and having no other choice, they kind of, they make progress. They go. Was it a crusade or more of a funeral procession? I believe the book calls out. That's how in dire straits they find themselves in. But they do head towards that, that keep, that ruin, that city of demise is what it's called uh, in here. And I'd be curious to know uh, what what did they find there? Because the vampires are gone, right? So like that's one concern they no longer have to deal with. But do they find it uninhabited? What do they, what do they come across? Uh, well, there's a city there, and it's all ruined. And but in order to get and uh, in order to get there, there is an astral magnesis, yeah, which is a I think like just like kind of like a lightning lightning weather, yeah, uh, like a lightning. We're like, oh, lightning, Sigmar. This is good. This is actually oh, sure. a good thing. Um, and a bunch of them get electrocuted to death. Yep, uh, but they make, <laughs> too much they of a good thing. Get, yeah. Yeah, they make it through that. It's also worth noting that the 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 new marshal, Marshal Ashtar, becomes the one of the palaquin bearers of um, Pontifex Zenestra, because um, those are getting swapped out more and more. Because um, that I don't I don't know if we know this explicitly, but she obviously sucks the life out of people that are around her uh, to maintain her power and her quote unquote well not youth but her not dying yeah and so he that, I mean you her. can't prove you can't prove that that's hearsay and slander <laughs> I think okay we don't right. know that to be true I apologize guy yeah so they they start finding their way through and just like how and guy ran if they needed a wall move they called in the Dwarden. Here, they need to get rid of all this rubble to get out of their way. So they call in the Dwarden, Clan Grimglint, who just start clearing a path. And they are also just yelling at anyone who can't keep up and make their way into the ruins. There you go. I like it when they name the clans. Yeah, it it feels nice. Like we've got named regiments and named clans. So as they clear the rubble, what what do they... they find here is that it's not just a ruin, but like it, there was evidence, right? That there, there had yep. been a crimson keep here at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, what else is uh, available here yeah. uh, for like them? They say traces of ectoplasmic gore congealed all over the place, which. Eh. Yeah. They find like dead, they twice dead things all around dead vampires. There's definitely was a big vampire war here that is over. I'm like, and the dawn is probably, like, well, we're glad we missed that. But it turns out, right, it's not completely uninhabited um, as they're sort of pouring through the place and investigating and looking at this ectoplasm and stuff. Uh, is it, do they just come out of nowhere? Is it, it like there's this mortuary, I guess, cult or necromancers? It, it's it's basically the extra uh, um, legions of Nagash type models who sort of warn, they war, like or arrive and sort of spook, you try to uh, haunt Ooh. the the Dawnbringers, yeah. right? Like what do they, what do they learn? Yeah, these... 
like ghosts show up and like in the ruins, they kind of realize that this used to be called Ember Guard way back in the day. And they, they see a lot of signs of almost like spoked constructs and circle designs that obviously means that it, it's wheels. Uh, but then this like mortuary cult shows up and lets them know like, oh yeah, you know, every 107 years, the Crimson Keep shows up, kills everyone that's here and then leaves. So we're here to make sure you're not here 107 years from now when it happens again. And we're telling you that so you can go give up on this place, leave and be fine. And then Pontifex Zenestra orders the attack. Yeah, I don't think so. There's wheels all over this place, dibs. And then yet another Warhammer battle occurs between like just the, the hanger on Necromancer and there's the what's the what's the big centerpiece model that they've got? The uh Mortis engine. Mortis engine, right? So yeah, like it's yeah. the Dawnbringers trying to fight back. And of course, the uh the more zealot zealous of the followers of the cult of the wheel their their attacks become magical and they can actually strike down you know different ghosts and things like that because they have the power of sigmar at, at their side and so they um eventually overcome this ragtag group of undead uh, or like death uh worshipers well they have like they have like zombies and stuff and there's a zombie dragon there it's like a it's a it's not it's a substantial Ragtag. Okay. Uh, okay. They don't have to And uh, Marsh, our, our friend Marshall Ashtar, who we mentioned before, um, kills a zombie dragon. 1v1s it. Uh, but yeah, then, uh, buddy. Cleave yeah. the beast's head from its neck. Uh, must be nice. That's cool. Um, at that, doesn't Zenestra use her super move again, right? Does she have to do something like that to like overcome the. Yeah, she like does a ritual slash spell and drag as the metalith comes towards the middle of this old ruined uh, basilica, um, and uh, this is like she's trying to purify it, and she, um, the like she summons a bunch of donors who each had uh, they carry ashes of fallen crusaders. Um, and they pour it in the co- corrupted aqualith and then like kind of like a, a bunch of magic shoots out of Zenestra that is both gold and purple. Uh oh. Um, so purple, purple magic in Warhammer means death magic. Mm-hmm. Which mm, yep. is, hmm, why is she using death magic? That's interesting. Hmm. Also, is there a, is there a dead body on the back of her? Yeah, they seem to suck <laughs> yeah. life out of people. So there's something going on there. And then it was a. And then she chants a spell that is never darkened in Azerheim Cathedral. So this is a unique thing to her that is on the yeah. up and up. Uh, and it says a funeral spell, sim, syllab, <laughs> syllabically. Yeah, that's how I would have heard that word. <laughs> yeah, but syllabically reversed. So I guess she said it backwards uh, is what, to, what happened. Um, and then it, you know, she turns translucent and light shoots up into the sky and lightning, uh, holy lightning blows up the Mortis engine as a side effect. That's great. And the undead all start to fall apart because they lose their uh, like kind of tether to the to the realm. And then 
Zenestra co- collapses and the Aquilith is cleansed. Yeah, and everybody all parched, like falls upon it and starts lapping up the water from it. Their eyes wide, tongues flapping. They fell upon the Aqualith in a parched frenzy. I don't like that vibe. I don't like that scene. Yeah. And so they have succeed- succeeded. So they've... We did it. Cured their Aqualith, right? Like, so now it's not blood, it's water. Uh, they've driven driven off the necromancers, and the, the, the death faction from this keep. It's going to be another 170 years before they got to worry about vampires. Let let the future people deal with that one. Like, the present day yeah. folks are, are uh, kicking it. And they found a nice little, and it's, there's uh, evidence of like wheel motifs since they take that as a sign as uh, maybe we're, I think we're going to probably hang out here for a while. <laughs> yeah. Did they do it? Is this the city? It seems. Like, I think they like, did it. it. We did a big mission accomplished. We found yeah. a new city, new city, city of Ember, Embergard 2, <laughs> son of Embergard. Nothing bad ever Embergard. happens to Embergard. <laughs> Embergard here. The Axian Crusade is the successful one. Who had that on their on their cards? I can't remember what I said. Someone, I, dear listener, tell me what I said previously and let me know which one I thought. I think our argument, if I can remember all the way back to episode two, was they had more named characters, particularly yes. our dwarf friend. And so it sure. had to succeed. It had to be um, yeah. so we were right. Our, yeah. We were both right and our logic was sound. Sure. We did it. I thought it was a shame that like of the two crusades, like the Gyran crusade, at least in this book, it ended with like this big fight and like Usheron's there and he's tearing up um, uh, Stormcast and it's this big impactful thing. And in this one, it was like, all right, well, we, uh, the Dumbbringers just like defeated like the extra death models that like nobody buys anymore. And that was, that was their big, that was their big victory and then founded a city. Like it seemed kind of anticlimactic to me. But hey, here we are. I guess it's not up to me. Hey, you know, there's actually a little bit of history to Amberguard. Tell me, tell me about it. Because when we back in the day, I was looking this up. So the gates below are the actual realm gates we're talking about. But in the time of tribulations, this is from Lexiconum from Age of Sigmar, the cog fort known as the Light of Hope, a part of the outer web of Armhemurha Aksha, was sent to secure the gates below and build permanent fortifications around it. These in Denver ended in disaster as the Necrocrake was unleashed upon the mortal realms during this time, slaying all in the Karg Fort. The Olen Messenger Hawk was sent out to Heimer Hall and its chamber strategic. So we have this uh, Karg Fort that was sent to go found a city here that failed. And then somebody else came and founded a city here that failed. But you know this third time? This third time is totally going to stick. It's totally going to be great. Third time is the charm. Everybody knows that. Third time that. is the charm. Oh. Everybody knows that. Yeah. It wouldn't be a phrase if, if it wasn't true. Yep. Yep. Well, and they have like 107 years to plan for the Crimson Keep coming back. Sure. Oh, exactly. So just if you just put one cannon facing where it's going to be every day for 107 years, that, that problem is going to sort itself out. That's going to be a lot of cannons. Stack yeah. them all up on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So Embergard it is. I think like the Gyron Crusade, there was still some like fallout, like little bits of information about the crusade after sort of the main story were there similar bits of information about this crusade after the main story is there any outro info about the action crusade specifically i guess it's the opposite of the crusade but there's a section called the vanished saying that no one actually knows what happens to thungus smold and the people that went with him Mm mm-hmm 
and anyone who keeps on trying to like use magic to determine their location and scry, they just see visions of flames in the night. Ooh. So we okay. don't know what is going on there. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, a, seems, okay. seems a lilac flame. A lilac flame. Lilac yeah. flame. Lilacs are purple. Yeah, we've already uh, talked about what that means. They're probably fine. They're fine. Yeah, I'm sure it's okay. Yeah, they're good. It's okay. Yeah, sure. Don't worry about it. They're all ghosts. <laughs> yeah, a couple. A couple other things is that near Embergard, they they find within a like within the mountain. They're they're near uh, one of the uh, the mountain of Ashen Mount, um, and beneath the mountain, they discover like like tunnels. And one of the good things they find is uh, veins of ember stone, which is that the realm stone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's really valuable. That's good to find. You can build an economy sure. on that. And they also see signs of a city of death uh, under under there. So we thought probably you know, fine though. I'm sure they won't cause any problems. Embergard was fine, also, uh, but also there's another dead thing, the whole city near there. But- but, but this was uh, the death book. Like the, each each of these Dawnbringer books is about a faction, like a major grand alliance. Yeah. And so like this, the death one already happened. So like they're safe. Nothing else could come yeah. up. Um, yeah, yeah. but way to they, meta it. Yeah. They kind of like see here. ghosts sometimes. And well, sure. I mean, I see ghosts all the time. I mean, that's not. Yeah, that's fine. That's common. There is a quick little aside um, that I think is going to be interesting. Uh, so the Dawnbringers arrived at the ruins of Embergard days after Lekavai and Prince Fordry had waged an honor duel nearby. Though the Crusaders are greater concerns than the squabbling Soulblight dynasties, the chaos-worshipping tribes of the nearby peaks would soon face undead fury. Well, that sounds interesting. wonder yeah, who those were... chaos-worshipping tribes of the nearby peaks are. Yeah, they were saying that some of the... Uh, um, every, every once in a while when the Crimson Keep like boogies on out of there, they, they leave cast-alive vampires like, all the time to get left behind. And so like um, maybe... You could see uh, some blood knights traipsing around the the region as well. Other crusade outro tidbits, if there exist any. It just talks a lot about how, even though they have the Aqualith, they're still looking for better and more sources of water. Water sources. uh, Because it's still a very rare thing. So they're talking about like, oh, there's these cool cactuses we can drink from. But if they stab you you'll broil from the inside out so maybe not and they're gonna it says they might explore into the mountain hoping that there may be water underneath and that's how they found that town of the dead sure they're uh hope like hopefully connecting to shyish like they're like oh maybe we can get like a, a back and forth connection to shyish and like get some of that lefty left how do you say it Lethesian. Lethesian. there you go that's much better dark water the memory soothing lethesian dark water oh, yeah it literally makes you forget stuff so that'd be great you should just do that and then forget the reason why you're there it'd be fantastic i mean, sure there won't be a problem with that some drink to remember some drink to forget I didn't sing it other action thoughts keep them coming all right cool beans i know we're chomping at the bit to talk about some of the other storylines so i'm going to skip ahead a little bit. i'm going to go out of order from the outline but We've talked about the Garian Crusade. We've talked about the Action Crusade. But as these Dawnbringers do a really great job, is they pepper in a few other perspectives, foreshadowing uh, bits of point of view from others uh, across the mortal realms. And so there are a few other storylines here. Let me 
use this as a way to introduce some listener questions. What you guys thought we forgot about listener questions, but we did not. I never forget about listener questions. And hey, dear listener, if you want to get a, a question on the show, this show that you're listening to right now, what you got to do is you got to hang out in our Discord server, which is found at www.themortalrealms.com slash Discord. And once there, you hang out in the, like, the stories and lore channel, hang out there all the time, chat with your friends, chat with your enemies, I don't know. Uh, and every once in a while, unannounced, I'll pop in and say, hey, we're going to do an episode. Do you have any questions about X, Y, or Z topic? You do have questions you ask them i copy and paste them into a, a different word document to make my life more difficult and then i put them in the show notes and i read them like i'm going to read this one right here in that uh patron of the show mealhern thank you mealhern uh asks uh will we find out what happens to kragnos and about the many other characters mentions mentioned in books one and two First question, Kragnos, no, absolutely not. But there are some other characters, which is why I bring it up here from the other books that we could talk about. Did anybody have characters that have maybe had appearances in previous books that are mentioned in this book that they uh, want to talk about? Well, we've got Corgus Cool. Which there I, you go. I don't think he's been specifically mentioned, but it, like his yeah, army is a, around. No, and he was, he was, we had his perspective in the oh, do we? book. Uh, well, yeah. I apologize then. So he's just basically his entire entry is I, I got to go make a big enough pile of blood so that Vandis has to come face me. That's it. It's, yeah. it's good. And it's well written, much more written than, than, than I spoke. But yeah. So he's just like, hey, I'm still here and I still got to kill a whole bunch of stuff. So you, you better find out soon. True. And speaking of Corey's Cole, there's a, a, a question tangentially related by a patron of the show, Chris Ling. Hey, thanks, Grisling. Uh, they ask, any news on Her Highness in Ruin? Uh, who do you think will be repping Chaos in Dawnbringer's book five? First question, any mention of Highness in Ruin? No. Nope. But second part of the question, that's why I'm asking all these questions, is your first, all your guys' first halves are no, but your second halves are, uh, who do I think is going to be repping Chaos in Dawnbringer's book five? Maybe? Korg is cool. I don't know for sure. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think. Know. I think right. Her Highness in Ruin and Corgus Cole are going to be like the two main bads in book five. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Corgus Cole is the only one they've talked about, really. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been some, uh, some uh, you know, rough pointing in a few other directions. Uh, Bellacor, Varengard, uh, Nurgle generally. Uh, in the, my only hesitation why they wouldn't do Corgus Cole is if they are saving him for a you know, this is kind of metagaming it, but say to him for a um, Age of Sigmar uh, fourth edition yeah. reveal. Sure, could be. Yeah. Much, yeah, leaning that way feels like. Interesting. All right. So that's one little tidbit. We get, we, Corgus Cole gets brought back into this book. Are there other little foreshadowing stories that caught your guys' interest uh, yeah. in this one? One really stood out to me. Uh, because at the Sigmar Dalia show, I said Manfred's going to be making big moves this year. And we've got Manfred, baby. Yeah. He's here. He's making moves uh, specifically. And this actually will answer another listener question, which Wait, is I'm from Minervis, which is what's up with Archon? Is he back from the dead dead? The answer is no, because <laughs> Manfred is raiding all of Archon's little vaults, trying to steal all of his treasures. Mm-hmm. Because Manfred, if anything, is always going to betray the other Martarks of Death and take their power for his own. He doesn't get too far in this story with it, because as he's entering the tomb, he sees like 
green light and a bunch of rats coming at him. And he just moonwalks away, deciding he doesn't want to deal with that today and just heads on out. So whose tomb is this? So it's one of Archon's, like, it's like a vault he has that he stores things. Manfred comes in, he's killing a bunch of the Null Myriad Osiarch Bone Reapers, hoping to steal treasures. He finds rats instead and just like turns around and walks away, just yeah. not wanting to deal with it. Doesn't he say something like he knows that Arkan isn't gone forever? Like he says, he's he, like, you can't keep that guy down. So like he knows that Arkan's going to come back and probably be mad is, is yeah, my interpretation yeah. of this. But yeah, it's we as the audience probably knew for sure that Arkan, he wasn't going to be gone forever. But like, it's nice to hear the, the books reference that like, oh yeah, the, in universe, it's acknowledged that he's not gone forever either. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you that um, I don't mind that characters die and come back as long as there's like, as long as there's consequences to it. Yeah. Uh, as long as it was meaningful. Uh, and one consequence is if you die, Manfred's going to try <laughs> to steal your shit. Yeah. Stuff. You <laughs> But I think there's like a, a bigger consequence here with Nagash being gone. There's a lot more infighting and death, as you would expect when like dad's gone. Um, like, yep. you know, all of the, uh, you know, the players beneath him are jockeying for power, which brings me to another yeah. uh, cutaway, which is zooming in on the Bone Reapers who are in the middle of a mm-hmm. war against Sigmar's empire in Lyria, which is in a, a desert kingdom. Have we heard of this place before? Yeah, it's just a, a place in Shayish. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's on the maps. Cool. Well, they're they're and the Bone Reapers are winning the war, but then they get a command that is don't fight, shore up all defenses, and it was an empire wide decree coming straight from Catacros, and so he's just like, hey, everybody, stop what you're doing, garrison up, things are popping off, um, which is like. Ooh, like, and what, what, what I assume is it's like, oh, super death war, um, because Usheron is out, the vampires are moving against each other. Like, it's really like death, death intra faction conflict is the time is now, um, and so that that was really cool. Or it's something else because Catacross is notably and. Also, surprisingly, and because nothing's happened with the plot line in a while, <laughs> currently fighting a war against Archon, the ever chosen in yeah, yeah. eight points. Um, so maybe it's it's related. It could be related to that too. And normally, he seems like he'd be a pretty unflappable guy. So for him to be like react in that way, like it makes you think that it's probably not an overreaction. Whatever his concern. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. He's never lost a war or a battle. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Never. Anytime he struck down, he learned something, and that's mm-hmm. the true victory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, friends, the friends were the, the more you know. Yeah. There's a little tidbit about Callus Toll. I think. Wait, did were we talking about him before the episode, or I can't remember when we were talking about yeah, Callus Toll? But uh, they're in Hammerhall. They're uh, hanging out. They're worried about this. We've talked about the, the was it King's Blood is the name of the wine, yeah. but like they're they're. Just, they're on the hot on the trail of figuring getting to the bottom of all that. And what's interesting here is that the what is the person the who's the the weaver is one of their allies, right? Yeah. And so basically they find out via the weaver that they have there are others in Hammerhall who are of the same mind or, or, or maybe on the same side and they didn't see secret allies, potential secret allies that could 
who at first glance may seem to be canite based off of the iconography that they use, but um, it, they are given a hint that they're not canine in the, canine in the traditional sense, but rather uh, they're a splinter cell dedicated to some minor brethren of uh, minor, or no minor brethren deity of their god. They call themselves the Crone Heralds. Now, listener, if you've been following warhammer news lately we know that we we know the name of the next book and we've seen the next uh, model that's mm-hmm. coming up so this is obviously uh going to be a directly tied into the the sequel of the next dawnbringer book but let it let it be known that they have addressed it here in the mad king rises as well i think there's maybe one more does anybody want to talk about or maybe at least one more if not more than that the one more connection i guess the fallout between neferata and usharan Okay, yeah, so there's just uh, a great little story of them uh, having a conversation. So the queen has, like, formed, like, a blood mirage that she's talking to him from, Neferata. And she's really mad because she's had this whole venture of spreading his blood and spreading everything. And he is finally kind of showing his hand of, like, oh, I'm a little bit more sane. Thank you for doing this, but since it's my blood and you know my wine i'm going to start spreading it around uh and he mentions that he's going to rejoin the councils and have a lot more interactions with the rest of the martarks and it says it's not in this section but elsewhere it mentions that all of the ships that were being captained by vampires kind of shipping the blood the ghouls have now taken over so there's just pirate ghouls sailing the seas kind of spreading this king's blood love that yeah pirate ghouls the best type of ghouls if you ask me all right i think those are some great foreshadowing those are great little hooks uh for upcoming events and they uh they've hooked me they always do it's that's my favorite part it's, it's never what i'm reading mm-hmm. it's always what's it's, it's always what could be coming up next is my favorite thing to read any other foreshadowing thoughts did we miss anything all right, cool. Um, normally around here is when I start talking about sort of like new characters that have been introduced. Oddly enough, one of the quote unquote new characters is Ushran himself, the, the Mad King who is rising. Just real quick, let, let me just review to make sure that we know everything there is to know and see if we missed anything. And by that, I mean, we can use uh, a question from a listener to sort of jumpstart the conversation. Uh, patron of the show, Chris Lang. Hey, thanks, Chris Lang. Uh, they ask, on a scale of one to wearing intestines on your head, how insane is Ushran really? And then, to let's just I'll ask the second question right off the bat. Patron of the show, Armoire Enthusiast 7. Insert joke about 7, not 6 or 8 here. They ask, jumping off this, what's the craziest thing that he has done? So I, let's just broadly speak. Hey, yeah. Ushran, maybe not as crazy as we thought he is. Uh, what did we learn about him in this book that maybe we didn't know from the Battle Tome or previous iterations of him in the past what do you guys uh what do you think i think that he the main thing we learned is that he's a more sane and more conniving than we had expected uh the scale's a little off because it's a scale of one to wearing intestines on your head but as we know gourmet is the most sane pretty sane he's the one with the intestines on his head um so i guess it's that's the most sane you can get and he's not too far off i would say sure 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 Paul or Pavin, what do you think? I'd say he's uh, uh, on, on that scale. I'd say he's got like you know a spoiled fish in his pocket, like nothing too bad, but like he would notice that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is portrayed very much as like I, I kind of have control 
But I think there's definitely a little bit of like, he's a bit crazy. He's got a prison on his forehead from Nagash. And he also, you know, did go through solitary confinement and destroyed his mind. So uh, I think he's having momentary flashes of brilliance followed by, you know, eons of insanity. So. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Haven, any additional thoughts or do you have any input on what's the craziest thing that he's done thus far? Well, I mean, the, I don't know if it's the craziest thing, but like the, the most shocking thing was definitely eating the, yeah, that was my answer. Yeah. Alive was quite, was quite shocking. Yeah. They, I think they've done something really cool with his character, which makes him a quite a wild card. Cause mm-hmm. you don't know if he's like plotting or nuts <laughs> or if he like justifies his craziness by saying it was part of the plan. Um, so you really don't know what, what, where he's coming from. So he's a really great wild card in a faction that can be pretty straightforward. Yeah, I guess that's not true anymore. Like all the vampires are kind of wild cards. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's death, very cool faction. I'm ready for sure. four wars too. <laughs> Electric Lulu. I say, I think a good way of describing him is like he's not stupid. He's just delusional. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's an intelligence there. It's just maybe not aiming in the right direction all the time. Sure. And the question is, like, does he think he's aiming in the right? Is he aiming in the direction he intends to? Which is a different question. So um, there's that. I agree. Eaton Soul Bright is probably the craziest thing that he has done. So I'm, I'm interested to see what antics he gets up to, like on the, I don't know if it's a council, but like the Mortark group chat to see like what, what Mark, gets up Mortark there. WhatsApp. Sure. I mean, I, honestly, frankly, I want to see as many interactions between all the Mortarks as possible. Like all of them are, are for the most part, their own individuals, right? And to see them bounce off each other would be really cool. So um, that'll be fun. A new character that we didn't talk about in depth yet necessarily is Sikar Fangim Nulamia. Maybe we learned a fair bit about her as a person because she's just this beautiful vampire conniving, et cetera, et cetera, agent of Neferata. But is there more to mine there? Also, I think someone should try and tell me about the snake because I feel like we just scratched the surface a little bit. Any uh, Sikar thoughts that you guys want to share about? I enjoy the snake a lot. Um, the snake the enjoys snake, you. That's true. The snake is a a god of the underworld of Shayesh um, that has been taken by Nagash, but not completely destroyed, and then given as a pet to Sakar, which I think is like crazy as an idea, but also super fun and flavorful. Uh, and so, as as Will was saying, he was like, "Oh, I don't want to give him too much power. Like this is a constant struggle." she has this like really strong ally but if she gives him too much power then he's just going to destroy her so i thought that was super fun as far as the character of sakar herself she's considered to be the chief diplomat of neferata so um she's gonna be really tricksy and really um conniving which she was portrayed as that in the story but she also is con- con- portrayed as a bit arrogant as well. Yeah. And which is paying off with her not really figuring out that Usharan was going to destroy her because she was messing with his stuff, right? Basically. So classic blunder. I, th- I thought that was really fun. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
because it says like the she got her name by in the middle of a huge feast, just like standing up, like not even asking for permission and just like pointing out two massive conspiracies that she was a part of <laughs> and having them taken away. Like, and it said she did it very calmly. Like she knew she had all this in the bag. So I think that's where a lot of that pride comes from is she's like, Oh yeah, no, I'm the manipulator. No one could ever b- betray me. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Hubris or pride goeth before the fall. Other Sakaar thoughts or we summed her up. I think I think it was cool with the the gift of the snake. It was uh, it was Nagash being paranoid that the snake would gain power uh, because he wasn't able to eat it. Uh, we do we already mentioned this that he was that he tried to swallow the snake, but like he does all the gods, but he spit up the skin like it just didn't agree with him, and so the snake like lived on. He's like, ooh, I don't like this. Like, what if it eats me? Here's a car. Here's a gift. Uh, here, this terrible snake. You you watch over it. Keep this an eye on it. Yeah, yeah. Keep an eye on it, and so he, that's how he like send it away. So yeah, that is fun. The Ash is a, cool. is a mean boss. <laughs> uh, that is for sure. Um, all right, cool. So maybe we ask a couple more listener questions. Well, we got them. There's not too many, so that we can rattle those off. Hey, Chrisling had another good one. Patron of the show. Thanks, Chrisling. Uh, they ask uh, any scries on how you think the events of Dawnbringers are going to usher in Age of Sigmar Fourth Edition. I think at one point someone predicted that maybe this Corgus Cole might have something to do with it. Do you guys have any other connection points between Dawnbringers and what you think is going to be the fourth edition? So not the end of Dawnbringers, but kick it. Well, maybe it's one and the same, but kick it out to the future of fourth edition. What do you think is maybe the most telling, impactful, like signpost that we've seen thus far that's going to lead to that? So I don't know if this is like an edition thing but we've got a lot of stuff built up with Ushorin and the Mortarks and there feels like they're getting ready for a big Mortark brawl. I don't know if that's going to be like the addition box, but I feel like when the addition kicks off, we're going to see that conflict fully ignite. Yeah, very well could be. I mean, yeah. even for a not death focused, like edition of third, like it's, we're still getting a fair bit of death at the back end. And so yeah. I could see how it would lead in other thoughts on how this might lead to the uh, fourth edition. It doesn't really. You don't uh, think so? I think, I think more last book did in that it started to seem to wrap up Kragnos a bit. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, it felt like second edition, the soul wars ended when Teclas killed Nagash, sure. uh, which was uh, really cool. Yeah. Awesome. And so I know Kragnos is going to get tricked, uh, once again, and that will be the end of the era of the beast, <laughs> which they foreshadow in the last book, but they don't even, they don't pick up that thread at all in this bit. This yeah, book. true. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see where that goes. Cause yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, sure. Sure. Other thoughts before I keep going, because another yeah. man, we had a lot of patron questions. Thanks, patrons, both for your patronage and your sweet questions. Uh, patron of the show, Klaus Ma. Patron of the show, friend of the show, Klaus. They ask, "How are the Dawnbringers stacking up against Broken Realms?" I think we talk about this every episode, but we can talk about it again here too. So, fourth book in, and there's there was only four Broken Realms books, right? Four, four, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, let's try and equate the two. At this point, how do we feel they're stacking up against? those books and if you have the same thoughts as before you could say refer to previous episode i like the story of dawnbringers more but we haven't had quite as many world shaking realm shaking events uh but we did get 
Usheron Vac, which is awesome. Yeah. And and as far as like the model release, I'm 100% behind these model releases being a lot more interesting. And I yeah. really like the fact that we are following two plot lines. And even though they go like completely wonky in following the thread, we still have something to hold on. And so we have these like two long drawn out plot lines of what's going from here and what's going from there and everything that's in that area. And I really like the exploration aspect of that. True. I, and, and to me, I really enjoy world building and I feel like there's a ton of world building in these books. Uh, whereas I feel like uh, broken realms was more of like realm shaking events which was also cool, but it is in a different way. So sure. 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 Yeah. Will it pay then? Um, I think broken realms is like high points are definitely higher than Dawnbringers, but I also think it's low points are definitely lower than Dawnbringers. Hmm. I feel like this is like right down. I think like the, on average, I like Dawnbringers more because each book I think is really good. And I really like the, I see you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, you're the mad no, I, king. Uh, part of it is that like a lot of the battles in Broken Realms just have like the three point turn. They're winning. Now they are. Now they are. Okay, battles Good way over. To put it. Mm-hmm. And this is it's a lot more story focused than it is showing a battle that way. So I think we're getting a little bit more like Paul said, world building and. I think character building more than anything like broken mm. realms. We saw these godlike characters, but we didn't get insights into them. And sure. now we're getting insights into the characters. We do see. I gotcha. Cool. Hey, Pavin, what do you think? Um, I like broke broken realms was very good. Uh, as far as Warhammer fixed, gave me everything I wanted. I think every one of the Dawnbringers books gets better as it builds on the previous one. Um, although we could have not had book one. I think we should have not had book <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. agree. <laughs> and so they're getting more exciting and more interesting, and I like that we're getting somewhere. I the only My only really big complaint, and I had also complaints about Broken Realms and like kind of the, the tropes and narrative devices they did to move things along, but of the like, oh, we have these allies and they leave for some reason seems to have happened a lot. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're very natural allies that should join us in this effort, but they have this other uh, secondary task. They just need to attend now, uh, and then they leave. Um, and sure. I'm like, I don't like, I was like, well, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for book five. Is that the last one? Do we know? Uh, I don't know that we know officially. Feels like it. You goofball. So, <laughs> just as far as the answer, I, honestly, I don't know that I will answer the question. I will might I might say refer to my previous entries, and <laughs> that I don't know that my opinion has changed all that much. I will say I would normally agree with you, Pavin, that each one was better than the last. However, I don't know that this one was better. Book four was better than book three. I don't think this one felt more fillery to me than usual. And I guess I'll talk about more. I'll, I'll, I'll in the review part. I'll, I'll maybe expand on why I think that, or I'll forget that I mentioned it, and I won't bring it up again. But, I'll bring it up again because I don't disagree with half of it. Okay, gotcha. So I think I'm still team. <laughs> it's not a team, but Broken Realms. Though this does things, certain things the Dawnbringers does differently and better. So like there are, like to maybe Will's point, there are things that it does do 
and you know better than what uh the, the broken realms did and, not, and frankly i love continuity and so like the fact that they are direct sequels and like they are intrinsically linked from one book to the next i'm a sucker for that too uh yeah i won't add much add too much more than that other tidbits that you guys want to bring up before we just get to the end and uh give our final thoughts all right let's do the darn thing all right so we'll go in the same order hey paul what'd you think of the mad king rises i would probably do uh six out of eight spider legs i enjoyed it i enjoyed the the Giron plotline more than I enjoyed the Akshi plotline, but I, I didn't not enjoy the Akshi plotline. It was just it was a different one. It it felt I don't know. It felt like they were more, they had more joy writing the first one than the second one. If that makes sense, yeah, of course. And that being said, I enjoyed the Laukavai perspective, but then we didn't get the Castellai perspective at all. And I think that's part of why I didn't like the second one as much was because it was set up as it's the Avangori versus the Castellai. And then we didn't see that whole battle. We didn't even get it happened off screen. It happened yeah. off screen. It was Sex. like sir not appearing in this film, Prince Vordry, right? And I, I felt a little bit of like, oh, I kinda wanted to like that sounded cool. Yeah. So Yeah. Cool. I don't forget who went next. Paven's next? Yeah, Paven. Hit me up. Oh, it was great. I yeah, these are great. These are the best. These are the best Warhammer books, these campaign books. Uh, I think they're still very I good. Mm-hmm. The I wish I I was yearning for more intra-death intrigue. Like I really like the setup between the factions and the tension uh at the summer court. That was my favorite part of the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like a little sad that it got resolved in this book. I'd rather they like leave a like a courtly intrigue drama playing on sure so that was like the best part i really enjoyed it i like the rest of the book i'm happy we founded a, a city that was a pleasant surprise i mean uh, did we i don't even it happened so yeah quick. that's yeah yeah we'll see <laughs> uh and yeah i'm really excited for the next one. Oh, these are great yeah hey will i am will you are hey. Yeah, so I also really liked the first half, but I'm a ghoul fan, so there's a heavy bias in that. And I think my thing with the Axian half is that we're like, did they found the city? They kind of fought the filler. So when you were saying like this felt more fillery than the rest, I feel like the Axie side is very filler. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they could have easily resolved it by having that final fight to establish Embergard being against the Castellai dynasty. Yeah. Like, instead it was just no-name necromancers and a bunch of skeletons, and they folded pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And if we're founding the city, which maybe, maybe they do that in the next book and they have a big battle or... I don't know. But it didn't feel as climactic as Fang like actually building the city and the book series about building the cities. It didn't feel like it should have felt. Yeah. Agreed. But I didn't dislike what happened. I just felt like it needed more judging up right there at the end. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't see the building the city either. And we don't see the classic Dawnbringer city building scene. Yeah. I expected. Right. I'm like, here are the statues and here's the, but yeah. So 
Yeah. And I get it. They wanted to end on the big climactic, like we did it. We won the battle, but it didn't, it just didn't feel like that. Sure. In fact, it even, the characters didn't even feel like that. Cause he even said like, Oh yeah, the banner heralder climbed the ruins and barely anyone noticed. I think it's like the last line of that section. <laughs> and that's what it felt like in the audience. Other thoughts? Other additional thoughts? Uh, no, I'll just give it three out of four Flesh Eater Quartz. <laughs> cool. I won't repeat your action take because that, that's my take as well. So, ditto. But then furthermore, although the Gyran side was better, I think a lot of the Gyran thunder was stolen by what we had learned from the battle tone. We had talked about, like, predict, while well, we talked about the battle tone, we predicted that, like, oh, this, this kind of feels a little out of order and that, like, one like one is cannibalizing the other a little bit. What? That's silly. And I think that ended up being maybe not as true as I thought it was going to be, but still some amount of true in that, like, a lot of the setup was in the battle tome, so it took away some of the... That would have been, like, a real impactful reveal, the things that we learned or that we read about in this book if it was the first time I'd even heard about it. But that, it, but it wasn't. Like, I, it, it sort of had lost some of its shine because it was talked about in the, in the battle tome. Obviously, not all of it, not the events, the plot per se, but just sort of the setup. And so because of that, on the Ashian side being kind of a dud, and then the Gyron side, the the thrill kind of taking some of the wind out of its sails on both sides, then it ended up being a, a bit of a filler book for me. It's not to say it's bad. And maybe if I it, taken as a whole, like if I were to just read all all the Dawnbringers, however many they're gonna end up being all the way straight through, maybe this is just, you know, just a an ebb and flow up and down sort of uh, you know, like watching a TV show, like when you binge it, right? Like I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have necessarily noticed, but the fact that we sort of have to wait for these books to come out for this one to have landed the way it did, it didn't hit me as hard. But again, I'm sure it probably feeds into what is coming up. It's probably a lot of this stuff is going to be necessary. Um, and so it's, it's going to be set up for, you know, some big landing uh, eventually though. Honestly, I'm interested to see where it goes. We don't know where Gyron's going to, the Gyron Kasu's going to end up. And apparently we're hanging out in Embergard. So like what, what comes next? I, I suppose we know a little bit, but the reveal that GW did for the next book, but I still don't get a sense of where like the story is going to go. So uh, more to come on that front. Cool. Any other thoughts that you guys have before we get the heck out of here? Too bad, Mr. Chance. It's time for our fortune, but Sigmar Willen will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord, drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Mortal Realms. Hey, Paul, where can they find you on the internet? At PJ Shard. Hey, Paven, where can they find you online? Don't. Yeah. Hey, Will, <laughs> where can they find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, on Blue Sky, at Sever. And I'm Aaron. You can find me at Twitter and probably most other places at Dos Asos. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Cool. Any other thoughts that you guys have before we get the heck out of here? Too bad, Mr. Chance. I'm sorry. Were you about to say something? <laughs> if not, okay. No, I was saying no. <laughs> all right, nice. All right. In that case. It's time for our reforging. One of the the foot the name dude yeah, on foot. Uh, I call him Spartacast. I can't think of it now. What is the guy's name? Sure. I mean, the point is, is that like all these name characters are coming back in these Dumbbringers, which is neat. What is that dude's name? I have him. Sure, it? it's sure Gabriel something. Sherhart. Gabriel yeah. Sherhart. Yeah, there you go. Um, so like, there's another name character from early days that 